1: Reveille, reveille, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. <laughs> oh, yeah. Once a week, it sounds like this. It feels like this. It is Friday. All right, let's brush our beards. Let's get fired the heck up. You stumbled in upon the best damn combat sports show, period, uh, period right? <laughs> I mean, award-winning. You can you can check the, uh, hold on, let me, go, let me get right to that one. You can check the kernels in your own shit for that one. Hey, it's Friday, January 13th, 2023. Welcome in. A Friday edition of Morning Combat. I am your co-hostess with the mostest, that guy right there, the American one. Yes, you got it, BDC, BBC, with the BDE making it look EC. Uh, my partner in crime is Luke Thomas, Washington, D.C.'s own, one of the best fight analysts in the game today. A social justice warrior when it needs justice in Luke, okay? Look at that. Look at that right there, Jared Swiftford That's what we're talking about. B.C. <laughs> and D.C. right here. Luke, how are you on this Friday? I'm
2: doing quite well. Fun show. I'm going to meet my nephew for the first time tomorrow. My brother and my sister-in-law had a baby, and uh, I'm going to meet him tomorrow. I'm pretty excited about it.
1: Uh, does he have a name or was this a, I don't, you know, I don't want to get too personal with the, with the weirdos here.
2: Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to, if it was my kid, I would just tell you, but I don't know if my brother wants right. the baby's name in the street, but to, suffice to say, it's a big day.
1: So I'll take the fun. social security number. If you've got it, Luke, just <laughs> I bet, right?
2: <laughs> I bet right. you would you thief
1: Yeah, the bed <coughs> type, uh, right there. Okay. Oh, uh, wow. What a time to be alive. What a wild time to be on the best damn show. And what a time. If you have the, the the hopes and dreams or if you're the paquets and you got the ways and means to go with that, what a time to see us live. MK in the UK. That time is getting oh so close. Wednesday, February 8th, King's Place in London. I believe that's the King's Court neighborhood. I don't know what that means, but the sports podcast group is putting on pod live, the first of its kind, a podcast festival right there in London. We're co-headlining it. We've got a live show that Wednesday night, 90 minutes of fun, 500 seats to sell. And Luke Thomas, we've moved a lot of them, but the days are being numbered here. And every time we check, there's less and less free-ass chairs available. Uh, how fired up are you to to greet your people across the pond? Don't yeah, pretty to, excited. In, in, you know, and conch yourself in the UK+, plus, Luke. You know, get that yeah. united feeling.
2: Yeah, I got to tell you, I'm pretty excited about this one. As we mentioned, every time we check the seats, they're, the, 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 the sand is moving through the hourglass, folks. The sand is moving. So it's time to get on that now. We appreciate everyone who's been there who's sending us messages saying, we're going, Luke. Yes, we're happy to see you. But if you've not made that move yet, time is now. I, I am trying to figure out when we're going to announce the guests. Because I keep hearing that they're confirmed, but then we haven't announced anything. So well sure the story is there
1: you know i believe we, we're also going to be shooting some other you know fun bonus content while we're out there hopefully some interviews too so there is a list of people that we are in contact with luke we're, we're kind of just setting it up across the board i hope we're pretty soon because any remaining seats i think when they hear who we've got there with us right you know what i'm saying they find out we you know we have to round brought megan markle up on stage i think that's we, we're gonna sell out pretty fast you know
2: yeah no i uh, i don't know if we're gonna have megan markle or anything like that but uh it's going to be fun. It's going to be different. It's going to be weird. It's going to be cool. It's going to be maybe a once-in-a-lifetime moment. So be there. Be there, UK Donks.
1: So hit that QR code down there in the bottom corner of the screen. I'm sure there's other ways in our YouTube description for you to find out how to get your tickets, how to join us right there. Uh, Appy's going to be in the flesh, okay, for better or worse. we got we got a big, big things to get excited about. Thank you to our folks, our finest, uh, Showtime, the label that pays us. And you can try out Showtime right now, and why wouldn't you? 30 days free by going to Showtime.com. We're talking about Bellator MMA, Showtime Championship Boxing, Showbox, the new generation, back next week with your boy BC. Uh, after that 30 days, right, when it's like, do I pound the sand or do I keep enjoying amazing content, including W. Kamal Bell's uh, Bill Cosby doc? How about six more months to try it out at three ninety nine? dollars Look, that's like putting a ring on it, right? You can still back out at the wedding. Anybody object, please speak now or forever hold your peace. You know what I mean? You got six months at $3.99. Can you beat that with a bat?
2: You can't beat that with a stick. Time to get on that. Plus, as we mentioned, it's not just the boxing. It's not just the Bellator. It's everything else on Showtime and on the app, like all the docs, all the that are docs, but like their docs, the ones that aren't full of dongs and everything else. Go check them out. They're award-winning yeah. stuff. So they're Boys in Blue,
1: Blue, the four-part series, Luke. Uh, football, Minneapolis, police. Changing the uh the relationship, the feel there. Uh check that out. Four episodes streaming right now. Boys in blue. Uh part of the deal overall. Get over there on Showtime. Uh also we wear great merch in these parts. Check out this hat. It's a fantastic coffee mug right here. Oh yeah. Morningcombat.store. I've talked to uh RJ um What what's his real name, Luke? Do you even know? Um <laughs> Rowan Gartner, right?
2: It's uh God, I, there's one I have saved, but I think it would get us it would lose us our
1: monetization. Yeah, so. let's just let's just leave him. Look, look, big Ray, okay, talk to Big Ray, and uh, he told me Luke that uh, uh, we got some big plans, some UK merch maybe on the on the horizon too. Really? So, uh, see, we'll see. Okay, all right. You know, you, people are like you know BC only cares about himself and his factory town. Don't forget I'm one eighth Irish. All right, all right. Don't forget that I was adopted Dude, by the way. Ireland
2: is not in the UK.
1: Yeah, it's part of the British Isles. The extent, you know, if there if there was a way it's Luke, not we could just bring them part of the British them... Isles either. It, yeah, it is. The two islands make up the British Isles. But if there's a way that we could bring them together and unite, Luke, if anyone just had an idea. You know what I mean? Enough minuses in the relationship. I want pluses, right? A big plus. We'll get to that later. Uh oh, I forgot I where we were, there. but but uh, I will tell you that um we do have great merch. So morningcombat.store right there. Uh anything else you should sell, Luke, or you want to you want to talk about your life at
2: all? They're complicated. Oh, uh, you're a complicated no! There man. is one. There is one bit of a note, and I I, I got to confirm this with our producer Mikey, but I'm pretty sure this is true. I'm pretty sure I'm doing a post fight show for the first UFC event back this weekend. So I believe the main card for tomorrow's UFC event. By the way, of course, there's one tonight, but tomorrow the main card for UFC starts at 7 p.m. Eastern, so it'll go to about 9:30 ish, 10 ish, 10:30 ish, something like that, and we'll do a post fight show right after that is over. So we're going to kick in. I mean, the new year has been on for two weeks now, but I'm saying the beginning of the UFC's new year, will kick that off the right way.
1: And Luke, uh, we will be setting the stage for this weekend's events, which you just teased a little later on in the show. And we'll also be debuting a pick segment where you and I, yes. for this for this calendar year, every week are going to go head to head. You know, hopefully some of our famous donks, our favorite famous donks will jump in too, whether celebrity or you know, future felons and uh, send in theirs as well. But uh, we'll get to it later in the show. But you and I are each going to pick five strategic picks, little gimmicks thrown in, and we're going to keep a running scoreboard. And at the end of the year, uh, we're going to make each other do something that they don't want to do. More on that to come. So uh, get ready for that today.
2: There yeah, go. I'm going to... Uh... <laughs> Finally.
1: Finally, we got Luke Thomas to agree yeah, to make some so predictions. so many
2: insults I want to lob at you, and I can't uh, for any number of reasons. But I, got, I want you to know I'm thinking about them. I'm thinking about very damaging insults about you.
1: The best thing about me, Luke, is, you know, in the in the pocket, in the pivot, I, I just swivel. I'll just truncate that. BC? I'll just, my BC? trunk movement in the, yes. Hold on.
2: You got, you got to do me a favor here. Ready? So what you're looking at here, what you're looking at, this is a $50 haircut. What do you think? Rate my $50 haircut.
1: Dude, uh, that's that's it. where I'm where I come from. That's a solid seventeen dollar haircut. I would be pleased with that if I were you. Yeah. I mean, DC's inflation rate. M- maybe that's why the service workers are so upset all the time and want nothing to do with my charm or, ca- or charisma. Um, maybe that's why, Luke. But because uh, they're paying for everything <laughs> out the ass. Dude, I got two waters and two coffees for forty dollars when I was there at the. I don't believe that. I don't believe that that. happened. Okay, I do
2: believe. I do believe you paid forty bucks at Starbucks and it wasn't worth the forty bucks. I don't think it was two bottles of water and two coffees. By the way, who were you buying water and coffee for? Because it wasn't. I know.
1: You know. You know. My favorite thing to do on the road, Luke. Be alone in my room. Right. It's for me. That that is
2: yes. Just as long as Luke's not there, you're happy. Just get that motherfucker. Well, you always of your wanted life. to like
1: touch me, and then you know you order food and leave it for an hour. It's just you know it's, it's 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 already an interesting marriage, Luke. I mean, do we have to be that close? Can't we be like most marriages and sleep in separate rooms? I mean, come on, Luke. Right? Yes, we we can definitely do that. All right, there you go. Uh, as long we're as gonna I can give you... smack you on the ass we're going to give you a great show soon i promise i thought there was other things i had to sell oh you had a good chat with aj McKee. we'll reference yeah. that a little bit later but they can check it out youtube.com/morningcombat slash for all of our bonus stuff uh we got to start bonusing more we got to start hitting these people right in the right in their feel hole Luke, with 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 great dynamic content i'm ready all right yes we'll be live chat the- fans
2: yeah, well, it's been a little slow since the change of the new year, but we're going to pick it back up
1: here. Yeah, all you BC Live Chat fans, okay? This is eventually going to be a daily chat. Luke, eventually it's my life will be a, a living documentary. No, it won't. Where the no. inside of my thoughts will be By available.
2: Way, in all seriousness, before we kick the show off, because we're 12 minutes in, we're just fucking burning time here. I love, uh, but that's what we
1: do on Fridays. We burn time on this end while our viewers burn, you know.
2: Okay. Yeah, I mean once 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 it turns 1 p.m., your boys out. So you might just have to carry the show from there on out. But uh am I am I correct in hearing that there could and I'm listening to the words I'm saying could be
1: a dock for our trip to the UK. Is that true? I don't want to like, you know, bring I don't want to you know, I mean like I like to flirt with the fourth wall, but I don't want to give people all the facts, but you know, I I did take it to the top in the last forty eight hours, Luke, and and did get that signature. Okay, I did get it. I received. Yeah, you know, okay. I, I I tracked it down. I got it. You know, I got the I got the digits. We're gonna bang. Right. Okay, gonna Tui, gonna Tui. Tui, Tui. line one, Tui. Yes, we're banging. Yes, please.
2: All right, let's do this.
1: All right, yeah. Sorry, a little bit of a little spillage there. All right, all that good shit is fun, but it's time to get into this award winning show and the content and a little bit of news in the last forty eight hours as. Big time stories affecting the world of mixed martial arts and really particularly the UFC. These stories are not going away. And topic number one on this Friday, referencing a piece put out by ESPN's David Perdue. And I believe Mark Ray Mundy and maybe others contribute to it as well. But we have an update on James Cross based on ESPN's reporting. James Cross, excuse me. James Cross, of course, the uh, ex UFC fighter and well renowned coach, now in the middle of this overall gambling drama excommunicated from the UFC in general. We know a lot about the things he told Ariel Holwani on his show in the past year, which seems to shed a lot of light on the inside all the way from there through the Derek Minner fight. But Luke, what we know about the ESPN's reporting is this. James Krause was acting reportedly as an agent for offshore bookmaking operations for years uh, multiple sources who placed bets with him told ESPN he's worked as an agent, which is more of a middleman between offshore sports books and bettors, uh, for ABCBetting.ag, According to people who wagered with him as far back as 2019, these sites of course come from the, the Caribbean. So Luke, uh, the, the reporting went, went a lot deeper. They caught up with Derek Minner who, who made a lot of denials. Um, this is, this might be even deeper than we thought when you look at, that Krauss wasn't just involved heavily in betting and everything he told Ariel, but you know he was really taking over other people's accounts and really sort of running the show tax-free in between illegally as basically a modern-day bookie. Uh, how much does this change or escalate, in your eyes, this larger scandal in general?
2: Fair, A fair amount, because the article doesn't even really get to the idea of where the initial investigation began, which was, was there suspicious betting around a fight potentially being thrown? The article doesn't, I mean, it talks about that scandal, but it doesn't really substantively get to that. It's not, it's not principally about it. What it's principally about is what you had indicated, which was that, according to this report, James Krause acted as an agent for an offshore uh, betting company, basically. And I've had a couple of people reach out to me to give me some additional details, and I've talked to some folks who actually wrote the story uh, yesterday uh, I just want folks to understand something. You can read the story for yourself. We don't have to rehash all of it, but just let's be very clear about this. This is what is alleged in the article. Um, I don't know exactly what's going to happen with James Krause, but let's posit that what we read in that story is true. If what we read in that story is true, dude, he's going to prison. Right? Let's just be—that's just what's—that's what's going to happen here. Um, if that story is true, he has likely committed wire fraud. If that story is true. He ha- will have he'd be guilty of taking illegal bets. He could be involved in mail fraud. He could be involved in any number of uh, fel- felonious uh, illegal acts that are almost certain to get prison time. And more to that point, they might make an example out of him. Again, we're, we're, don't say we're, we're, might,
1: Luke. They're going to make a monster. Monster. They meaning- for everyone I, from the law to UFC, like, they want this gone. They're going yeah, to drop let me, the hammer let me, yeah, on him.
2: For sure, they're going to put the hammer on him. Let me add one more point, BC, and you can take it back. which No, is, I don't want
1: it back. I'm just letting you know that hammer's yeah. coming, bro, all right? Hashtag. I'll just say
2: this. I, I don't know who all the sources were for this story, but as someone who spent time as an editor for two of the major sites in MMA for more than 10 years, let me put on my editor hat and tell you what I can smell out from this story. I think law enforcement is part of this story in terms of who's a source. And I think they're looking to get people to flip. That's what it looks like to me. That's what it looks like to me. So um, again, to to the point at which we were having this conversation, Friday, the 13th of January, 2023, he has not been, folks are asking me like, what does this mean for his jail sentence? I'm like, well, first of all, he's not been charged with anything. These are alleged in this report. I just want folks to be very clear. If what that report alleges is true, it is virtually impossible for me to see anything other than him going to prison. That doesn't even get to the point about whether or not fights were thrown. Right. If that, in fact, happened just on the wire fraud, just on mail fraud, just on taking and running illegal bets. By the way, giving a line of credit to the bets that he was helping to be the agent for. So he wasn't just taking the money and then delivering it or vice versa. Again, according to what some of the people said in the story, he was also involved in the line of credit. I mean, there is so much alleged conflict of interest that if any of that is true it is very hard to see a way he doesn't go to prison for this
1: but look at this deeper so Jeff Molina the fighter who was also uh let go by the UFC and sort of fought caught up in this ban with Minner and Krauss and I, I believe more is to come because the FBI is investigating this but Molina was one of those that Kraus specifically recruited where like you said you give them a line of credit you give them a password and access to to the site and you're the middleman who can make bets for them I mean uh, so look this is wild because it brings to light even more illuminated and further the conversation that Krauss had with Ariel that I keep referencing on the MMA hour uh this past summer like Luke he basically set meaning James Krauss set in motion you know the 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 spark for what this investigation became. By almost bragging about it. And so you say in hindsight, was this just like one of the major dumb criminal moments of all time to basically out yourself on a on a major, you know, nationally, globally tra- uh, watched program and kind of give details a- about how you're doing this in almost a bragging way? Or was that for it? Was that in his mind, his way to recruit on an even larger level? Because you have to look back and say a lot of these key facts which make Krauss guilty for for things that go beyond even the idea of, of fixing fights, I mean, he he admitted to Ariel that yes, I bet on fights that I coach in. Like that's right. There's no speculation there. So is well, how do you how do you view now his interview? Like this is the smoking gun, right? This right. is I mean, the and
2: again, and we go back to like they want to make an example out of not just for the reason that you cited, which was like they want to stamp this out, they want to like show like the what the force can look like, so no one else even gets an inkling of it on top of that dude he was bragging in that interview he was bragging like he was kind of boasting about how well he was doing for that reason alone aside from everything you mentioned of course that's going to play a role as well they're going to hammer him but bc i will say something part of the reason why i think he did it was because i think he probably i i'm, I'm assuming he didn't know the totality of the law and so part of this is a little well bit it was legal
1: you do have to you do have to mention that until ufc changed that specific law most no, of what he was but acting doing as from... an
2: agent, acting as an agent for, again, allegedly yes, acting as illegal. an agent for an offshore booking. If he did that and was, and was using Venmo or whatever for accepting then returning payments, this is all fraud. I mean, that's just all yeah. fraud, like by definition, but I want to point out something. They mentioned this in the story, quote, Krauss also appeared as an analyst on a UFC best bet show for ESPN on YouTube in 2021. I kind of just feel like what uh, my understanding of uh, I, I'm talking to a few folks about this story was that there's a lot of people who kind of do what Krauss does at a very small level, right? Not a very detectable level. They kind of take a couple of small bets here. You know, they get a little bit on the back end with these uh, agents, and it never really gets to the point where it gets flagged or or the authorities really notice it. It's, it's, it's crime, but it's a fairly low-level crime that the government just doesn't want to necessarily seek out if it doesn't have to. This, like, for him, he just was kind of doing everything in the open was still part of, like, the firmament of the the establishment, right? He was on a UFC programming on betting in sports just— la- well, now it's 2023, but basically a little over a year and some change ago. I can understand why he thought, well, what's the big deal? I'm, I'm basically doing this out in the open. The problem was, again, according to the article, it wasn't just that he was running this Discord. It wasn't just that there's these issues around the betting of the Derek Minner fight. It's also that he may have been, again, alleged to have been acting in this capacity as an agent— which in order to do that job that in the way that it is required basically requires you to commit a bunch of crimes. Yeah. Um it's crazy. It's fucking crazy.
1: Dude, I mean look, we said it from the moment this first became news before we even knew the the true ramifications that like Exactly. They're going to drop the hammer of the bomb on him. He's going to be Shoeless Joe Jackson and Pete Rose, you know, tied together. The ultimate example is going to be made out of him. But to hear all these further details of how much this was, it wasn't just, you know, a hobby that made him good money. Like this was an organized crime, I guess you could say in a lot of ways, you know, well organized but yeah, again, Luke, I can't get past this. He outed himself. So did this whole investigation, and obviously that Minner fight November 5th, Derek Minner against the guy whose name I'm going to butcher, so I'm not even going to say it. That whole thing, Luke, and by the way, Minner's commented, like I said, to this ESPN story and and really tried to cover up the whole idea about the injury. and And it just, it comes across largely as comical in terms of how he actually tried to defend himself. But give him the benefit of the doubt. Let's see how that holds up. But Luke, like, He outed himself, so maybe the Minner fight brought it to another level, but do you think there was already law enforcement investigations going around after this aerial interview?
2: Yes, and I got to tell you, I don't think that's the only law enforcement investigation going around. Now, as it relates to betting, it's hard to know. But for example, like we, there was the New York Times. I don't know if we talked about it much on the show, maybe a little bit. There was a recent New York Times report about how the State Department had officially acknowledged they were paying attention to what Chechen fighters who are associated with Ramzan Kadyrov are doing trying to make it this way and how it affected like Maxine Grisham's ability to get um, a visa to come here and it could affect others. They didn't comment on anything else related to any activity related to Kadyrov. I have to tell you, I bet I don't know why that's happening. So, yeah, okay, let me be very clear about this. I have no idea why they omitted the other part of it, but I have a feeling it's because there's an active criminal investigation going on with this shit. White-collar crimes typically take a much longer time to prove uh versus a crime of like you know uh, we well, got a guy on murder holding someone up for a uh carjacking or something like that that's actually fairly easy to prove relatively speaking to something else where you have to get all the paper trails you have to piece it all together you have to perform by the way like this is again this could be dude this could be like a racketeering case like a Rico case yeah which is I mean all kinds of bad news for you long term and what it will mean for eventual prison sentence and how easy they can put a case together, not just about James Krause but to your point about uh, all the other satellite players involved um, certainly the ones in the United States, so I just feel like, I gotta feel like this industry has been acting kind of recklessly in a lot of different ways acting with people that they should not be acting with, engaging with folks they should not be engaging with, engaging in behaviors they should not be engaging with, and media outrage isn't going to do anything, UFC certainly isn't going to do jack shit about it, uh, beyond just what they put in the uh, code of conduct which was you know more, more cover your ass than anything else but i tell you what turns out law enforcement cares and the 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 wheels of justice grind slowly but boy do they grind so i feel like there's going to be a few people who might have some uh hammers coming down yeah, on them no, in 2023.
1: Dude, no doubt about it and it's like with krauss being an illegal bookmaker is illegal but it's like i i because betting in general is is legal i think a lot of people look at that and go okay it's illegal you know it's tax-free it's all that but like I don't look at him, per se, as a, you know, bad person. But when you add in the idea that, like, again, he bragged on a national show that he bet on fights he coached in, that whole other chapter, Luke, about the potential of fight fixing, which is why UFC needed these hardcore, stern, Jericho-sized wall limitations of who and who cannot be associated with gambling— Like, that's another level, dude. And I don't, you know, maybe that's the long-term investigation that you're sort of referencing. And maybe that's the big hope in the end is they crack that. And is there, you know, more shadowy activity on people taking falls than we ever could imagine? Or do you just want to eliminate the future threat of that? Either way, it's juicy there, but dude, you're not going to come back from that. The the latter part, the whole idea of, you know, potentially being involved in fight fixing. Like, you know, look, look, he's never going to step, you know, he's never going to work again at all in this industry unless it's, You know, I mean, like, like, damn, dude, damn. And, you know, in in UFC is allowed in a lot of ways to go, okay, let's investigate this. Let's, let's hammer out whoever did it so we can distance ourselves. We've got a $350 million, $350 million deal with DraftKings. Like it, you know, we got to keep that, that integrity intact, but like, this is monster, dude, on a lot of levels. And, and there's no way Krauss doesn't get just, I mean, look, like we're not going to see him again. That level, okay?
2: Yeah, like what he was. I mean, his life turned on a dime, you know? Yeah. He was on these not just betting shows. I remember they're using Coach Safe Saud, but prior to him, uh, Brendan Fitzgerald and James Krause were doing those, like, uh, previews. I think, in fact, if I'm not mistaken, I believe James Krause did, the, like, the fight breakdown preview for uh, for UFC uh, and their YouTube channel, and these videos do well. They get, like, hundreds of thousands of views for the Nate Diaz at the time. Nate Diaz, Hamzat Shamaia fight. Obviously, we know it fell apart. But you know, before it all did, he was brought in to do that. Like he was part of the established firmament of everyone. He was part of the, you know, great coaches of the sport. Dude, he was like really a pioneer in, in Kansas City MMA and like raised it to a new level and made it, frankly, a global destination for elite fighters. He did a lot of great things. It's not like he didn't. People are very complex in that way. But Lord have mercy, he made a a just an, I mean, an incredible series of bad judgment. And I do wonder, too, something, BC. It's like there was something brought up in it, and I hate to, like, distill every issue down to it, but it just makes me wonder a little bit. Because, listen, the NBA had the Tim Donahue betting scandal. It's not like any other sport is necessarily immune from this. You brought up Pete Rose. Like, you know, this does tend to happen no matter what. But, like, he was pointing out the way in which that they were betting was drawing them far more income, in the article anyway, allegedly, than any of the fights they were, like, any of the fight purses. And like how easy it was to recruit some of these guys? Because basically, like if you're making 10 and 10 or 14 and 14, and if you lose, you get hardly any of that, the betting was the way that they made their money. Is there anything to be said that like if the UFC had to like double pay overnight? I think it's naive to assume that like illegal betting would go away. But here's my my question to you. Do you think it would make a difference in these kind of other activities? Like, would, would a substantial increase in pay actually meaningfully reduce fighters resorting to behavior like this in order to supplement their income.
1: Uh yes. You do believe even, that. Even if even if you could show me where the statistics don't back that up in a, in a long, you know, studied period of time, I still say yes because that's the direction the athletes deserve anyway and what what's the best way like look i don't i don't know how athletes do this athletes that are involved in combat sports or high violent high you know high level for violent sports nfl maybe nhl in certain cases like i don't know how you just turn that off and then suddenly go around your daily life and try to make good sound decisions right but you add in financial like legitimate financial you know strain to just you know i mean how many horror stories do we hear of people who are like have to sell, like, you know, just Kondraj as a title contender selling autographed, you know, artifacts of her old fights and stuff just to be able to afford training camp. Like, it's going to remove just that that pure desperation that, that I think in a lot of cases would... would would, you know, set the stage for somebody to want to kind of get into this, which is illegal, but, you know, like I said, gambling's legal. You know, I, I could see where people could walk into it and go, okay, I you know, this this is this is fine. You know, this is how I'm offsetting my income. This is how I'm, you know, yeah. you yeah. Dude, you got to clean that up. That's why cross or whoever else, you're never going to hear from them again because UFC needs this to go away and they need it to go away now. And I think in the long run, Luke, UFC will be better for having experienced this and put in the stern... You know, fences up now to try to keep it away. I think they were largely naive to all that. I mean, but look, they they do, as we're finding out through a few different recent scandals and and you know unresolved issues, still kind of operate on a, on a very naive, overall immature business level. Maybe you can you can ca- carve that under Maverick and you know we don't give a fuck and we're pushing we're kicking doors in. But it's their fault that this thing kind of showed up on their doorstep. But they do have a chance now to to end this moving forward.
2: We're gonna see what happens. This is gonna be interesting. I, you know, I've dealt with. I, I, I think I said this on the story. I've dealt with James Cross a couple of times. In fact, he asked me to host his betting podcast, which I said
1: no to. What, this was parlays about, and punani's, Luke.
2: Yes, parlays and punani's. I think this was roughly. I don't even know how long ago this was. A year or more, maybe less, something like that. It's hard. I can't keep track of time anymore. You and I have had that conversation, and I just post COVID is in
1: one year. The post COVID, our lives have been one year long. There's no other it's just like weird right yeah it's weird,
2: right? So. Yeah, it is a little weird but um anyway long story short he's a nice guy i don't i don't i don't think he's a bad guy i think he's just a really irresponsible guy you could yeah. argue a little bit greedy and dude he got out over in front of his skis and again we'll see what happens but it looks
1: bad it looks well i think real to the larger point his future we were just making is like there is a defense in there overall about, well, they're so underpaid, you know, what else are they going to do that, you know, I mean, the UFC really does have to bridge that gap and clean that up. It doesn't seem like the more we read the John S. Nash's of the world and that other video I keep referencing that was really good on the James Krause situation of like, it behooves Dana and company for endeavors purposes, you know, above and beyond to keep that as low as possible to keep the EBI bullshit down or all that Luke, but Damn, dude, the one thing the UFC can do to 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 help the sport moving forward, like you said, is just bridge that gap better. And and I mean, do you want it? It's like, do you want to be known as that major successful business promotion that also? The reputation is that you take advantage of your fighters. You know what I'm saying? Look, like, that's such a shitty reputation. I get that there's a bottom-line reason financially that they do it, but, like, that's such a shitty reputation. And now you've got a couple scandals going on right here for UFC in general that aren't related and may not lead to some big downfall. But, like... Maybe you should come out and start doing some like some good PR here and 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 let, let's uh let's know, even dude, this out.
2: You you had written basically about this like, like you know like let's be real about this during the early to middle stages of the pandemic UFC was on fire, right? They were on fire. They were the the the, the, the product was hot and we've all been over the reasons why it was hot, but it was hot, like there's no doubt about it. And, and and it cooled off a little bit this past year. I think again we we had a conversation like how good was the UFC product in 2022? Not its best version, but not a bad version by any stretch. I mean, there was parts that were good, parts that were bad. Overall, it was pretty good. But I think what you had sort of spotlighted BC, and I thought it was a really sharp piece, one of the sharper pieces that you've written, was about like, dude, this business is like, it's come a long way. I mean, look at how much growth there has been in terms of its popularity, and also just in buttoning themselves up. But they still got some work to do over there in Las Vegas. They really do. Now, they're trying to get ahead of this as best they could. They were late to it, but not too late. They weren't um, as late as they could have been. They were a little bit earlier but now they've got this whole Dana White thing going on. You're talking about like this issue related to fighter pay. There's just a lot of things that are dragging at least the image at a, a bare minimum of the business down that are a function of part of that strategy they've had. We've been like, well, we've done it this way this whole time. Why would we change yeah. now? It's like, well, it's because, like, congratulations, like they built themselves up to a level where you do have to make some of those changes to really occupy this space without any controversy or larger issue. They're in those growing pains, and I think we should all understand that. But yeah, man, like 2023 is a year where I think for as hot as 2020, 2021 might have been for them, this might be a bit of another cool-down year. We'll have to see how things go, at least related to these other parts, not so much a function of the fights.
1: Right. Like the the same hubris that UFC showed when Zufa was still in charge around the time of the first Ultimate Fighter, right? Like that stretch where it was just like bite down, we're running out of money, we are gonna. We might throw in the towel but we don't want to, but like, let's just fight and keep it alive. Some of that spirit came out again for Dana in 2020 and, you know, some for worse, but largely for better. They became the darlings, right? Like, all that stuff we talk about. But you can't you know you can't be at that same speed all the time as time changes as as you know decency uh changes as a lot of things change uh you you can't you know you can operate like that when you're when you're on spike tv you know what i mean you you can't do that now so um look if i am james Krause's defense team and maybe it's just because i've watched a lot of episodes of bull lately so i'm you know thinking for like i've got a two dollar uh law degree education now but uh wouldn't they go all in on the the system so broken they are pushing fighters to do stuff like this because they don't take care of us? Isn't that the the strategy to try to get leniency?
2: The le- I you know, legal, suppose, legally speaking? but because, yeah, I mean, for maybe for some of the smaller players, but I don't know if it's going to work for Kraus. I really don't. You know, he has his own investment properties. I think he still owns, he guess he had a split from his spouse uh, at the time and he took most of the properties. Um, I believe, by the way, he still owns the Glory property itself from a real estate perspective. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Maybe he's trying to sell that, I don't know. So he's got um, more independent wealth than some of the other guys. I mean, for Jeff Molina, whatever he has done or not done, I don't know. That might, if he has done something wrong, that might work for someone like that. But for Krauss, I don't think it's going to work. I really don't.
1: Well, Luke, Kross' immediate removal and the ban of anyone, you know, extendedly touching him uh, from, it, it, it plays out on a larger level for the biggest names, and that's Brandon Moreno, the uh, interim Flyweight champion trying to get his belt back in the fourth meeting with Figueredo coming up around the corner. Uh he talked with Ariel Hawani this week about you know the difficulties of now just uprooting everything and, and leaving Kansas City and 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 changing. But he did pick up safe Saud around the uh along the way. So Luke, how how tough is this gonna be the for the fighters and, and in 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 Moreno's particular case, because he's the biggest name and he's got his biggest opportunity coming up, like how freaking big is this for everyone that came up in that gym that was very well respected?
2: Um, It's going to be extremely difficult. Like, James Krause is a great coach. He's a great coach. Can't say he's not. He is. Um, As we mentioned in it, you know, he had bought that gym from someone else, rebranded it, and made it much more of a global destination for the very premier talent of the sport that anyone else prior to that point had. He did that, I'm not going to say single-handedly. It takes a team to do that, but he was certainly the driving force behind it. I don't think that's much in dispute and he was sought after for his services. You can go to other high level coaches, but are you going to click with them the same way? Do they understand your needs the same way? Can they game plan the same way? Strong coaches all have different strengths and weaknesses. They're not all just, they can all do the exact same things or they're, they're copycat cats of the other ones. It doesn't work that way. They are all they, yes, they are all obviously very talented and have their own method of success, but that method can be widely different from everyone else. Now safe. Saoud is a great coach. You could do a lot worse than dealing with him. So I think Moreno is in pretty good hands and great hands. But like, you know, all of these things are individual relationships. What is the individual relationship between Moreno and Saud? Do they trust each other? How well do they know each other? Do they How, how well do they understand each other's needs and click? I mean, these are all very, very difficult things. So I think, you know, listen, if you're an early to mid-tier guy in the UFC and you go to another great coach... Not to say that that won't have an effect. It could have a great effect. But in general, I think you're going to be okay. It's the actually the super elite ones, even though they are super elite, they require a very specific, very difficult thing to get to make that all work. I just, it's it's tough. It's We're going to see, man. Like Figueiredo, you know, being in Brazil, having to take on Moreno again with all of that distraction that Moreno's had to go through, that is not, that is far from what you would want for a world-class camp For the biggest fight of your career to this point. You would want the exact fucking opposite. So it is tough sledding.
1: We got a lot more on this great show. But final question on this, just because I'm curious in your opinion, Luke. We don't have the facts. The investigations continue. But that Derek Minner fight, like, how much, how deep did that actually go in your opinion? Like, give me your JFK. You know, who did it, Luke? Like, how improprined? Is there a... Can I impropriety. use impropriety as a verb? Can I use it as a verb, Luke? How, impro- how improper, Luke, how deep does it did it actually go in your eyes? Was it just a guy was injured? He knew it. He felt like this is the only way to get to pay for the surgery, so I'm just going to come and injure. Dillashaw did the same thing. Is it just that, Luke, or is it a lot deeper?
2: I think it'd be irresponsible to speculate beyond what has been reported um, on this show but I guess I would say this in general, my posture is, and this doesn't true for our, I would say this doesn't really apply to this situation, but this is how I approach things in general, never ascribe to mendacity things that can be more adequately and easily explainable by negligence or stupidity. And it just seems to me, there's a shit ton of negligence and stupidity in this situation in a lot of different parties, in a lot of different directions, whether they added mendacity on top of it, um, by, it, by basically throwing fights, I, you know, who the hell knows? I, I would, we just have to wait and see. But even with, even if that's not part of it, everything else is just so, so, so outrageously irresponsible and frankly, like greedy, you know, I understand like for the Jeff Molina's of the world, whatever he did or didn't do, that's one thing. But for Kraus, I, I, you know, the, the sport doesn't pay what it should, you know, and I understand that, but, um, Going to the alleged lengths that he went to to get paid is so manifestly greedy that um, he's going to have to pay the piper. That's just I feel what's like going to happen here.
1: Whether you're a minor or anybody else, even if you didn't do the really egregious things, I think just being tied to this, you're going to get the hammer dropped on you. You know what I mean? For better Probably. or for worse, like there, you, know, like,
2: you have to wonder how much those guys. Again, assuming that they've all engaged in illegal behavior, we, we don't know that. Let's assume that they did. Dude, those guys are going to flip. They're going to flip. They're going to flip hard. Um, So we'll see who they get in the whole thing. But, uh, dude, it's all bad. It's all bad news. I mean, can you imagine this? At the beginning of last year, that dude was riding so high. In one year's time, his life has completely transformed and not for the better. Careful what you're doing out there, folks. It is, um, you fought the law. The law wins. Dude, Law this wins. is
1: basically the potential plot line for Ozark season six. Now I know the show is uh is has retired, but uh I mean this is you know, well, dude, you know
2: what? Like we like there's I mean it's kind of funny. It's a very, very, very different thing. But I was thinking about this too. Like lightning, lightning Lee Murray. Yeah. You know? uh, dude, I remember when Lee Murray I dude, I remember him fighting Anderson Silva in Cage Rage. I remember him fighting, I think it was uh Jorge Rivera in UFC. Dude, I remember this. I remember lightning Lee Murray as an active UFC fighter. I remember those days very clearly. And then you don't hear from him for a little while. And then all of a sudden he's part of the biggest bank robbery in fucking human history. And now he's in some Moroccan jail because it didn't go right, obviously. Um, You know, like (laughs) every every like 15 years. Again, we don't know what happened with James Krause, but allegedly it seems like Every 15 years, one of these guys loses their fucking mind yeah. in some kind of attempt to go and get money that they you know, otherwise are not entitled to, and wild. absolutely bonkers shit
1: happens. It's absolutely wild. So uh, one huge story, and I do want to tip my cap to ESPN, who have been sort of ahead of the game in covering this, which is not the reputation, though, it has for our second topic, Luke, the Dana White situation. Uh, was just not going away because of you know. I want to shout out Jamel Hill. Uh, had a great piece out there. It was you know more sites started to step in. We even saw uh, on the entertainment side of journalism, people were taking shots at Endeavor for being so silent on it. Well, Endeavor's still silent on it, and so is ESPN for the largely although they did respond to what happened late wednesday dana white sat down with the media for what is typically the ufc fight night media day and of course the card goes down this saturday night in las vegas at the apex and dana did about 14 straight minutes of answering questions from the media um there was a lot to criticize from this but i want to start quickly luke with what i liked about it which was finally at least a morsel Of what we were asking for everyone in this larger situation just just like honesty transparency you know like being adult about it right like accountability all that stuff look i i think for you know dana was largely at least in in tone and and was humble largely humble in this and it was good to see him own it and obviously it was good to see him come out and actually have to tell the legion following him like no stop supporting me on this i was wrong like you know that i mean that's just mind-boggling But there's a lot to criticize here, and I want to play probably the biggest sound that came out of this, and then I want to get your reaction to this, Luke. So here uh, is Dana during this scrum. Uh, I believe you can hear the question from John Morgan uh, being set up to him.
2: Are there any repercussions planned from the company or self-imposed repercussions?
0: I mean, what should the repercussions be? You tell me. I take 30 days off. How does that hurt me? I mean, I told you guys when we were going through COVID. COVID could last 10 years. I could set it out and... You know what I mean? What, what would be the problem? The only, it's, it's much like COVID actually, you know, the, uh, me leaving hurts the company, hurts my employees, hurts the fighters, doesn't hurt me. I could have left in 2016. Do I need to reflect? No, I don't need to reflect. We've had plenty of discussions internally with Ari, ESPN, nobody's happy. Nobody's happy about this, you know, neither am I. Um, but it happened, and, and and I have to deal with it. And, and what is my punishment? Here's my punishment: I got to walk around for however long I live. Is it 10.4 years or is it another 25 years? And I got to and I and I got to. This is this is how I'm labeled now. My other punishment is that you know I'm sure a lot of people, whether it be media, fighters, friends, acquaintances, who had respect for me might not have respect for me now. I mean, there there's a lot of things that. I'm going to have to deal with for the rest of my life that are way more of a punishment than what I take a 30 day, 60 day absence that does. That's not a punishment to me. The punishment is that I did. Look,
1: he's going to wear that (laughs) scarlet letter as his punishment. Can you, Uh, can you, can you, uh, can you imagine at
2: any point in your life where you've ever gotten in trouble for anything, trying to float that argument and not being
1: laughed out of the room? It's just, Wow. So I started, Luke, with the parts I liked about it, which is finally somebody sitting down, welcoming questions, having a discussion, and for as much as Dana can do, he was humble. But that's a very hot piece of audio that was just edited together there of Dana's comments about basically what people seem to be upset about the most, that... If you want to play the angle here, the Dana White privilege—it's strong right now. And whether that privilege does break down more racially, or just largely in terms of what you argued the other day about people in power are able to uh, get away with things—we are now seeing a bunch of pro athletes in different sports like speak out against this on social media. Like this is not going away at all. And ESPN's finally reporting on Dana's you know uh, uh quotes cuz he cuz he finally spoke again but nobody else is speaking um how do you begin to pick apart that that a you know president of a you know a billion dollar publicly traded company just had to come out and you know be the adult voice of reason was like don't worry don't worry guys the, uh, you know i'm the one that that's that's hurting here that's enough let's move yeah, on
2: it's just i mean the height of uh, arrogance, really. I, I will give Dana credit for one thing that I do think is very important. He, he came out and early into the press conference said, um, you know, unequivocally what I did was wrong and I have seen people defend me. Stop doing that. You know, there is no defense for it. Just accept that there is criticism and he accepts it. Like, that needed to be said out loud and I, I it's, it's funny to me every time that there is some kind of controversy in, in MMA, people always want... um to pretend something never happened i had people in my mentions be like i haven't even seen anyone defend him it's like dude let me get this straight dana had to take a moment to step back to make sure people stop defending him within the industry really just in general but certainly within the industry and now it never happened before stop fucking lying guys i mean people you can have whatever argument you want to have right whatever thing you would like to argue on behalf of or against You are entitled to do that. But what you cannot do is make up shit in order to make that argument work. You have to acknowledge what the facts are. And either that backs up your position or you need to change your position. It really is as simple as that. So please, just to begin, do that. And I really appreciated that he did that. And I appreciated that he went and spoke to the media um, as... You know, I think he was telling the truth as best he sees it. I, I don't think he was... Yeah, the that's as humble
1: anymore. as he can be, Luke. That, that's, that's like, it. that like That's right. There was some pure and genuine humility within that, but it does miss the larger lack of self-awareness and just, like, like I mean, the, the arrogance in... me not getting punished (laughs) is the best way to not punish you. That's basically what he's telling the camera, like, you UFC fans, you know, the reason why I don't need a punishment is because, you know, we're suffering as a family, and, and they should be. That's, you know, this, you know, I mean, he gave important details about his family, like, they're gonna stay together, the marriage, the kids are upset, like, we didn't even need to hear that. That is their business, but he did humbly share that they're actually working through it. They're not just elite cyborg robots. This is a real family, real people going through some hard stuff. But, I mean, the, the arrogance and then, yes, the privilege of, of acting like, no, this actually is is the best way. I mean. But Luke, it, raises, the,
2: it, raises it, two, it raises two big important topics, right? So we give yes. Dana the credit for the good part, which I do think is legitimately good, and I do legitimately, and I mean this, I give him credit for the parts that I really admired. I thought he did well, okay? But to the point that you raised about this, like, well, what should the punishment be? It's like, dude, there's two things that come to mind here. Number one. And I've said this on my personal podcast. I've said it on this show. I'm going to repeat it one more time. It is very, very, very difficult in this country for rich people and or powerful people to actually face consequences. We do not do a good job of punishing rich or powerful people here. Obviously, you can find exceptions here or there, usually for crimes or I should say misdeeds, whatever you want to say, far greater than anything data has done, which is not to minimize it. I just mean it takes a vast amount of bad faith behavior and or outright lawbreaking before anything ever happens to these people. And just look around. He has these media allies and Stephen A. Smith and Molly Carum carrying water for him. TMZ cluing him into the fact that this was coming so that when the news came out, his response to it would be built into the news story. And the headline was soft peddled. There was silence from Ari Emanuel, but he has spoken out about, and rightly, I think, spoken out about anti-Semitism previously. I mean, he just has billionaire friends, media allies. These are things that you and I simply do not have access to. And what does it do? It protects him. Powerful people use their leverage and their resources to protect themselves. You're watching it here. You're just, you're literally watching it here. Everyone wants to make Dana the guy who would show up on their couch if he wasn't so busy. He was that guy at one time. He is no longer that guy. He is now someone who leverages extraordinary wealth and connection and power to basically absolve himself from any responsibility beyond what he sees as reasonable. That is something that only exists among the very, 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 very elite and nobody else in our country. I mean, dude, seriously,
1: just for modern. Political correctness for the the way that you know society today, which there's some lot, certainly some some fault and bad parts about how hypersensitive and critical we are and cancel culture and all that. But like in this modern culture, how like they could still be rolling, you know, TBS and and Dana White can still be rolling out this slap league, like like it's insane. You know, Dana Dana said at the press conference on Wednesday, Dana said like you know, there, is there irony here in putting out a slap league? You know, a couple weeks after he was caught on tape you know, ch- exchanging slaps with his wife. And he was like, you know, yeah, it's it's ironic, but, you know, there's never a good time to have a bad moment. It's like, damn, like yeah, like uh, the, po- the people but- in play just don't get it or they just don't care. They and while we could get caught in the black cloud of debating like which one it is because the both, both of it sucks, I think from what we saw by Dana, some of it, they just don't get it, Luke. They just, just don't get it because of a certain level of power or whatever. But I think what I am most upset about at the end of the day... Not the fighter reaction, not the media reaction, not the fan reaction, Ari Emanuel and Endeavor. Because like you said, to be so rightfully, aggressively proactive under certain things and now to turn a blind eye and, you know, that 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 YouTube channel, MMAI, Luke, that put out that great video about James Cross, but it's really about UFC financials in general. You know, they paint that accurate picture of how much Endeavor needs UFC to succeed. And how much they've completely turned themselves around and opened up. I mean, like it's just it's it's amazing how important UFC is to Endeavor. So they're not even going to say a thing about it.
2: Yeah, I mean, just like
1: just like that is why this story won't go away. The main reason it shouldn't go away is the domestic side of it, in the in the image that that Dana gives, which with the platform he is responsible to uphold an image because there's so many people willing to you know, follow him and bow down to him and say, that's who I want to be, that guy. So they're willing to just march, you know, in in unison to his message. That's why, that's the main reason why this story shouldn't go away. But that doesn't matter. Money matters, Luke. So that, at the end of the day, like, Emmanuel silence is just so fucking snaky, right? It's just like, damn.
2: Yeah, again, we didn't call for his job, but we thought Ari should come out and say something about it. He didn't even do that. He didn't even do that. This is the guy that from from the... What's the show they made at HBO where his character was essentially based off of it? Um, Entourage. Yes. The guy who would come in and just dominate board meetings and could do whatever he wants. This is the guy who is cowered into silence? Okay. Here's the other part about it too, BC, which is he raises an interesting question with all of this. Right? It would hurt the brand if I left. It would hurt the company if I left. Sure about that? I'm not so sure about that. Now, let me be clear about something. Historically... I do think it's true that there was a time when Dana White was around. Where, yeah, man, he was very essential to the business, and I remember him, dude. He he took years off his life being an acolyte and trying to spread the news of MMA to any editorial board who would talk to him, any news outlet that would talk to him, any any broadcast partner in any climb and place all over the world. Dude, Dana did that, and he absolutely took years off of his life to make MMA, and of course the UFC bigger than it was, and that's real, and I don't know that MMA would have gotten as far without him pushing the sled like that. It was an Iditarod, and he was the front husky at the the leading of the pack, okay? That's a real thing, and I also believe today, however polarizing he may be, I think that Dana is probably good for the brand and can do a lot of things. However, this is a billion-dollar-plus business. They could probably sell for double-digit billions. They're pulling in a billion every year, every year they're pulling in a billion you mean to tell me you have scaled the product to being in nearly 200 countries not obviously not that many but 100 plus countries all over the world with contracted revenue the way you have it with all of these broadcast deals you couldn't find a bigger broadcast partner in the most and uh, the largest market in in all of combat sports if you tried you're at the beer the apex of it you you now control all your own pay-per-view revenue you've done all of this And that comes apart if one person is removed. That wasn't even true for Apple, which is a much, much, much bigger business by orders of magnitude bigger. It wasn't even true for Steve Jobs. It's not true for Bill Gates and Microsoft. It's not true for anyone. You can't have a business that has scaled this far and then try and convince people this would come apart at the seams if he's not there. I can admit there might be a short-term you know, uh, uncertainty about the product because Dana has been such an integral part of it. But, dude, that is just matter-of-factly not true. The UFC would survive without him. It would do well without him. I admit he has been absolutely instrumental to it. But what I think is really going on, BC, to pitch it back to you is I think he realizes that if he did get removed and the product just kept moving, there would be some questions about his actual necessity here. To me, that's what he's trying to get in front of. Not this idea that, like, well, what it would actually hurt the it would hurt the product. Mm, I
1: don't buy that at all. At all. No, there they have to be a well oiled machine up to this. You know, to be you know, obviously his his influence in his decision making on key things. You know, removing him completely. Yeah, I would have some questions moving forward on how they'll adjust in certain areas, especially since he's the face. Like, you know, when we say he's the face of UFC, like that's calculated. And that's also true. Fighters come and go. Win streaks come and go. Like, he's always there. And outside of the first interviews he ever did on camera for UFC when he did have hair and, you know, he was kind of bending over and kind of, you know, sheepish and afraid of the spotlight that he would come to dominate in the ensuing years, he's looked the same throughout the entire run. Like, it's the same you know, bald head and in, in in you know charismatic delivery and sort of he make. I mean, he does rally you, Luke. You know what I'm saying? He's a charismatic mf and a brilliant one. And the things he's great at losing him completely, I would have questions about. No, but, you know, in, I gotta in terms tell you, of,
2: dude. Hunter, an, Hunter Campbell. I would argue this. Hunter, he's not as important as a public face, but in terms of what makes the machinery run, you'd be right. You'd be worse yes. off with Hunter
1: Campbell going than Dana White at this. point. But I think from a PR standpoint. They, you know, the, the company not doing any... The company not forcing him. I know it's like, who's going to force him? He's the so, boss. On, just, t- well, just time out on this. Do you actually
2: boss. believe the product would be damaged by his absence long no, I No,
1: I believe there would be an adjustment period because yes. he is looked at to the... Especially the casual fan who only comes in and out for the big fights. You know, he's like you said, like the Santa Claus of MMA. Like in that regard, you just remove him from that. I believe there's adjustments, you know, big adjustments that would have to happen. But from a PR standpoint, Luke like, they they kind of need him to take, even if it's like a, you know, self-imposed and it's small and it's just, just for show, just for virtue signaling or whatever they people accuse us of, Luke. Even if it's just for show, the fact that, like, they, ha- they have to do that just for image because there are PR reasons why he's no longer the perfect face of this for them. And you do want to see those get adjusted. And and I, you know, something that you've echoed before too, I do believe there's probably people on the inside that that probably believe he gets in the way in some certain key categories as well. So I mean, I mean, look, I had multiple people that work behind that company like apologize that to me off you know off, off off to the side that I was part of that stupid four minute video that we play a lot and, and have jokes with, and you know I didn't need that. I appreciated that beyond belief, but like it shows that that uh you know there that that's not the message the the the, the Dana message that ultimately is proven proven point fact that's the best way they can sell as with Dana as the pitchman yes
2: I I, I but, gotta tell you I think that but that, but that message thinking, dude he doesn't have a ton of time left either now maybe he'll live with this new quack he's got this this complete fraud 10 more years 20 more years 25 more years but his time will come anyway like that no one's immortal he has to go and I just think it's very very much scaremongering to suggest that the product at this stage now again 10 years ago very different argument but today the the way in which it has scaled the way which contractual revenue is involved and the people who are actually making that possible virtually all of it would be in good hands no no the machine
1: look the machine is set up to achieve i'm talking about like i'm talking more commercially luke i'm talking more in the the brand power all of that stuff short term there would be an adjustment period yeah, but I mean, we're talking
2: a few months, six months at most. I don't, this is not, yeah, the that's reason why it, to not punish him is <clears throat> not because like, wow, if we really remove Dana, I mean, it would really, it would really impact the product. That's, that's only true for a very, very narrow time horizon. Right. After that, I just do. They have 80 to 85% of the world's talent. They have very, very good people running that organization. They have vast deals across the earth already sit in place like, it's built to win. It's a fucking monopoly. It's built to win. It can't be the case that it's built to win and in and, and threat of being a monopoly based on, you know, we'll see what happens with it, but it very easily could argue one. And also this monopoly has to have this guy to succeed. No, like, here's the thing. This is the true story about the Fertitas, about Dana White. Dude, they won. They won. They won. They won the industry. They beat all the other competition to the point where they're so successful. It's hard to imagine anyone else ever rivaling them. It would require epic change, true government enforcement. Like it would, it would require massive intervention. The idea that like one person, any one person, Dana, Hunter Campbell, Sean Shelby, you name it, the idea that any one person has to be there for that to be in place is just matter-of-factly nonsensical. It doesn't even make any sense to say something like that. It's built to win. It already did. It's already got its hooks into the market. It would take a massive act of God to change that.
1: Okay. I mean, it's certainly not <clears throat> in the, it's so similar this whole Vince McMahon debacle that's going on at the same time. Like there are parallels there. It's just wild, but yeah. you know, Vince got to a point where he was, you know, bad for the product in a lot of key ways. And and when he did go away for a short period and I, and I've heard everybody say the, you know, creatively the product just flourished again. And it was like, Oh man, we finally got him out of there. I just don't think Dana's there yet. I do think there's big impact, uh, even if it's short term, him stepping away. But I also think he should step away for all the reasons we just said. But wow, I, I I just didn't think we'd open the year with this, with all everything else going on, the gambling, all that stuff going on, and and you do have to give this brand credit, Luke. They're they're back with a bang this weekend, and um, for better or worse, right? I mean, like here we are, slap league right around the corner. Uh,
2: well, the fighters uh, deserve to fight, right? I mean, absolutely. Yeah.
1: In, in the in the in the brand deserves to flourish and keep going, but it's just. I, I have never I don't remember a time where it was just this much all at once, right? This much fight or pay everything like all at once.
2: Uh, no. I I will tell. Um, I think you're right that there are more issues all at once. To your point, like competing at the same time. I will tell you that some of these felt bigger, like at, at at a stage of the UFC's development when it wasn't nearly as far along. Like when Couture was suing. To fight Fedor on HDNet for Mark Cuban, a lot of you might may not remember that. I think it was circa two thousand seven or so, um, and and that felt big, like taking the UFC to court, having these battles over fighter pay, like in the public. That felt like real huge at the time. This feels big, but this is the point, dude. UFC is so fucking big at this time, dude. They won, they won. Yeah, I agree that all the things you have pointed out. Again, I thought that piece you wrote for CBS Sports was so smart. I I, I echo all of it. But if we're asking, like, how it felt at the time, I got to tell you, Couture taking them to court felt bigger a little bit, a little bit. Whether or not it's actually bigger is a different matter.
1: Absolutely, yeah. It's just, it's it's exciting time, but maybe this true success story 30 years in is that we all believe, even if Dana, you know, walked away for good tomorrow, they they would keep being able to, I mean, they, they're fighters, Luke. They've built a foundation. They're fighters. They've they've done, they won. They won, Dude, like you said. Just, la-
2: just a- last thing on this, just last thing on and this. And I do let's think
1: just, they can navigate this storm, I do, and that's the that's the strength. That's the that's the success story for everybody behind the scenes. There, not all right. Just one so I know,
2: I know our audience is all bitter about this. So just last thing on this. Serious question for you. Serious question for the audience. For one moment, let's actually say that um, against all of your wishes out there, Ari Emanuel came down and was like, "Yeah, we're going to relieve Dana of his duties. He's fired. He's gone. Like <laughs> he's just gone tomorrow." Now I'm not asking you to like that, but just ask yourself. I don't for like. A I don't
1: like that. I don't like. That.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. I'm not here to say that that's something that should happen or you should applaud. But let's just imagine a world where it did happen, right? Where he was just heavy-handed, ah, came down, and then cut him off. Boom. How many of you would not watch UFC anymore? How many of you would not watch UFC in the way that you have watched it? I'm going to guess virtually none. Virtually none. Like, it, the game has a pull on you, has a pull on you, has a pull on me, has a pull on BC, that is ir- I mean, irrespective of some of the bigger faces around it. You might miss them. You might not like the fact that he's gone. Don't doubt about it. I'm not telling you, you wouldn't have feelings like, hey, this is bullshit. But would you actually would you actually change your consumer behavior? Boy, I am skeptical of that idea. Big time.
1: I do wonder how much of it though would be if the, if the, if the message of the broadcast chain, now remember ESPN has the rights, but they don't handle the broadcast. They take right. a finished product from the UFC and era. And that was, you know, that allowed them from a PR standpoint or so they thought to dist- distance themselves from this. But, um, I don't know, Luke, if, if like, there are people like we were surprised at the, at how many people reacted to this Dana White situation from the extreme, like, well, she hit him first, like that whole side of it and not, you know, just maybe missing the point on the human element of in the long reach of all of this. But those same people, right, want exactly what Dana offers them, which is we don't bring politics to the broadcast. We don't really talk up people's, you know troubles outside of outside of the cage. We're really just here to put on these badass fights for you to suspend your regular life and just, you know be entertained and enjoy. If that changed dramatically, I do think you'd have a an effect on the business. Um, yeah, I suppose a
2: short-term one. I really, I have a very hard time feeling like the people who also run UFC, like in terms of the actual day-to-day operations, fighter contracts, negotiations, marketing, ad buys, creative control, all of that stuff. I, I genuinely feel like they've got a clear handle on it now as well. And it would be, I think the product would be just fine. I just don't buy. Dude, they've built a very, very, very competent, smooth, well-run machine. Like, this is the part about the UFC. It's not just bigger and more successful. Dude, like, their back end, the people who they have, like, they've got Harvard MBAs running the marketing. They've got some of the best video editors that you can find on the market. Like, dude, it's so much talent run on expectation, run on schedules. The train always leaves the station. Again, again if if steve jobs being gone from apple like doesn't in any way really hurt it it's just very difficult for me to believe um you know that dana is again not that he wasn't in any at a previous point in time extremely essential i just don't think that's the case today uh, not that he should be removed but like we're just talking business necessity how much is he a necessity for that business not as much as you might imagine not as much
1: that's it. all right all right topic number three luke are the actual fights this weekend. One on Amazon Prime 6 goes down this evening from Bangkok. We've also got a UFC fight night in Las Vegas with, of course, a a very interesting middleweight bout in the main event. Nasruddin Imamov against Sean Strickland, who, of course, is replacing Kelvin Gastelum on less than a week notice. And look, there's some lesser boxing across the board, but it's weekend picks time. We don't, I mean, with, with the ultimate, like... Like we may never see James Cross again, but I did like him as like a coach and personality and fighter. So, should we name this seg- this unnamed pick segment, Luke? Should we name it Parlays and Punani's in his honor?
2: Uh, we should name it whatever we're gonna name it and move on because we got a lot of show left. Goddamn! Just
1: enjoy the ride, Luke. Just enjoy. I mean, I'm driving I on Fridays. Just I enjoy can't.
2: it.
1: I can't. <laughs> it feels so good, right? Um. All right. So here's the deal, Luke and I. Every week are gonna as long as there's enough action that weekend we are going to make five picks head-to-head against each other under five different categories. One, a pick on the main event. Two, picking an underdog to win. Three, picking a favorite to win. Four, choosing a fight that will go either over or under uh, in terms of going the distance or not. And five, picking one fight that will end in either KO or submission, and you have to pick whether it'll end in either way, uh, Luke, we are going to compete week by week. And at the end of the year, correct me if I'm wrong, whoever's record is better to close 2023 gets to force his co host to go with him to a music concert of his choice, of which Morning Combat Doc Cams and Jake Von Amsterdam would be present. For the proceedings. Uh, wow, what a, that's a juicy offering right there, dude. That Let's is, do it. Let's for do an it. unnamed pick segment, that is juicy. All right, we kick things off. This is it. This is the pilot, Luke. I'm excited. Here we go. Pick number one. We're going to go back and forth here, but it involves the main event of UFC Fight Night, Nasruddin Imavov versus Sean Strickland. Luke, uh, Sean Strickland gave a bizarre uh rant at media day this week that was sketchballs in a lot of areas purposely right he's he's really trying to grab that 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 cringe and and hammer it on you um did he call john morgan Watto from star wars the phantom medicine yes he did, did. You hear um, that
2: yeah i did hear that that's unfortunate
1: that's that i think he called anthony pettis autistic i mean there was a lot of it was bizarre um But in that, he did talk about, look, he's taking this on short notice. He said he wasn't in camp. He wasn't in shape. It was a month removed from his loss to Jared Cannonier by split decision. But he got the call. He was planning a vacation. And he likes Mick Maynard so much that he said yes for a lot of money. And here we are. So keep that in mind as we look at this main event and your current odds from our friends at Caesar Sportsbook Minus 125 is your favorite, Dean Imavov, and Sean Strickland a plus 105 underdog heading into this main event. Luke, you want to talk about this matchup at all before you get into your pick or you want to just bring it?
2: No, do the picks. We've all
1: have done right, all Luke, the
2: talking. Do the picks.
1: Pick number one in our weekly showdown, main event. Luke, I like Dean Imavov here. And I do believe there's a big opportunity for Sean Strickland to come back on short notice, reverse the, the two recent losses against the elite competition, um, he can kind of double down here. But there is there is risk involved. And, you know, Nasrdi Imavov does seem to be coming on. Yes, there was that loss to Phil Haas, close decision. But, Luke, I mean, he almost knocked him out in the final minute a couple of times and was putting on him. You could even argue that Imovov could have won that fight. Since then, he's been in wars, but he's been getting it done. This is a big leap for him to go. To the five round main event level and a more difficult fight on paper than Kelvin Gastelum for sure. But I feel like Luke, he's going to have to make it gnarly, but he's going to have to be more physical in the clinches. He's going to have to utilize takedowns, but he can win this fight and he's got a fighting spirit that I think ev- inevitably eventually will get him into trouble. Uh, but I think at this level against this opponent, I think Mivov can get it done. That's my pick for the main event.
2: Uh, my pick is not much different. It's Imovov. So there's actually a few of our picks that might overlap here, unfortunately. But um, we have a hole here in front of us, so we'll see how it goes. But I agree with Imovov. And I think I had said Sean Strickland's an active leg kicker, but the last three fights he has not been. Now, prior to that, we have seen him throw upwards of 10 around, like against Christoph Jocko, for example. And again, this is a guy in Imovov, not really an aggressive defender of leg kicks. So I thought, well, that could be a thing. But more recently, he hasn't really done that. But BC, like, we've talked about how they match up. I think Imovov, you know, we'll see if the longer it goes. That could really favor Strickland. You know, again, he's got a good good takedown defense. But I think the guy who's going to bring the fight to the other one is definitely going to be Imovov. That's the first thing. And the other one is, it's like, I appreciate that Sean Strickland as fucking batshit as insane as he is and says the the, the worst shit ever. Um, I appreciate that he wanted to get back out there. I just don't really like it when they do this. I don't mind when someone wins. And then they get back out there again, like, right. oh, I took a fight, didn't take any damage, I'll fight again in three weeks. I'm fine with that. But when they lose and they're like, they really didn't like the decision and really just, they just, they just want to get that L out of their mind, so they quickly take another one. Dude, Imavov is no one to fuck with, man. He's just not. So I just don't like the circumstances under which Sean is taking
1: this fight. And so for that reason, for that reason... I'm going to take Imavov. Now there is big reward. Like we mentioned, you get right back into the overall title picture and right. you're going to get a big fight, but dude, uh, everything you just said right there. So we're going to see how it plays out there, but it's like is Strickland, if everything isn't perfect for Sean Strickland here, then he's got to make, then this is going to be more of a war. But I do think Imavov's kickboxing, Luke will start to catch up with Strickland and, and he'll be able to land big clean shots, uh, there's also a submission threat element here for Imavov. Like there's some there's some ways he can win fights spectacularly. He also can get grinded down. But st- You know this is a big step for him. Big opportunity. Uh, I like him here. Luke, our pick number two as we go head to head is a favorite on the card. We do have betting limits based on how many fights and where the odds are. Uh, about minus three hundred or less or so. Sometimes minus four hundred based on the week. But Luke, as I looked up and down here, I'm taking for my betting favorite, and it is a a a close betting favorite. Caesars has this women's weight bout, which has big stakes in the overall title picture here, which we don't often talk about because this division doesn't often give us a lot to talk about at Bantamweight. But Ketlin Vera is a minus 130 favorite against the plus 110 Raquel Pennington. We talked about the win streaks of both and where they are at coming in. I just think Ketlin Vera is a a has more plus elements to her game. I'm gonna take her as a small betting favorite. And I think it's a strong one here for this fight to go the three-round distance, be physical. Rocky will do some Rocky things and in, in she has a way of of rallying late in rounds with the dirty boxing, especially when she can take the punishment to get inside, but then start to be a physical force. But this is a big one for Ketlin. And I do like I do think striking wise. Uh, and in terms of her, how she goes after submissions, there's going to be opportunities in here for her to shine and take control of this. So I'm going Ketlin Vieira as my favorite.
2: I like that pick. Now, BC, I'll, I'll, I'll put my cards on the table here. If you want me to pick someone else, I have a backup pick, so this is easy for me to do. The person I picked is anywhere from minus 305 in certain places to minus 350 in other ones. That's is fine. That, that's, okay, that okay. is in
1: our strike zone here. Let's okay. do it.
2: So I'm going to take Javid Basharat. Uh, over a Mateus Mendoza. I told you I was looking forward to this one because I think Mendoza is going to give him trouble in spots. I definitely I take Mendoza very seriously. He is aggressive, hard-nosed, fantastic striker, love it. And Basharat, I think, is much more well-rounded, which is why I'm picking him to win. But I do believe that there are areas where Mendoza can be better than him, and, and particularly in like, distance striking. That is an area where I could see him giving Basharat some problems. But I am big on Basharat. Both these guys undefeated. Both guys in their 20s, but Javid Basharat out of Afghanistan originally and now obviously with Extreme Couture, training with Jake Shields and, and a lot of other folks. He is so good. He is so well-rounded. He is so built for distance and other kinds of... He can He can, uh, He can. can just do so many things. Um, I'm going to go with Javid Basharat here. I like his game a lot. Big fan of him.
1: Now, are you giving me the, hey, BC, this might not be Shavkat Rachmanov. I'm not trying to sell you that. But I got that feeling again. I got that itch. He's so different than
2: Rachmaninoff. It's like he can, he, he, I feel like he hasn't quite figured out internally who he is yet as a fighter. Like he's obviously got some idea because he's so good. And I think he's tried to get good at everything. Rachmaninoff is much more clear eyed about the things he likes and is good at. He's well-rounded too, but he has a very clear sense of purpose. Basharat to me is just so well-rounded. I think he feels like I'm going to beat you everywhere. I would like to see him keep all that well-roundedness and then really home in on some, uh, you know, some ace up the uh, ace in the, up the sleeve kind of territory, yeah. right? Like something I really can get over everyone with. He hasn't quite crossed that threshold yet, but this is another step in that
1: direction. Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, looking forward to seeing if he can hold up to this hammer uh, reputation. Look, it's like I I always can see like the the UFC strawweights that are coming, right? And di- from the distance, and I am like, look, have you seen this fighter, like? You have that way with like the intersection between Europe and Asia, right around that area, Luke. You've got that on lockdown for like <laughs> lightweight to welterweight to middleweight strikers, you know, and and um, it's like a pipeline, Luke. Okay,
2: it's the, these are these are my people. Not the yeah, FBI, I mean, they're, I they're I, I FBI utilize FBI. a
1: pipeline for the for the. For the fighters I scout as well, Luke. Uh, all right, pick number three. We have to pick an underdog to succeed. And, Luke, we've got close odds here in a fight that I, I may have tipped my hand in terms of my analysis on Wednesday when we're talking about the co-main event, featherweights, Dan Ige, Damon Jackson. I expect a track meet here. I expect action. And when we look at the odds right now, minus 135, Ige, your slight favorite under the Caesar Sportsbook, plus 115, Damon Jackson. Yes, Damon Jackson has to show us a lot here, Luke. He's got to, he's got to get he's he's climbing right now. He's got to climb more here. Ige is a tough ass out, Luke, but I can't sell him as more of more than that in this matchup. And mm. I think if Jackson can continue down that path and not plateau here, um, it, it'll be a fun fight. It'll be a close fight. But I like him as my upset pick in terms of an underdog this week. Give me Damon Jackson. I'm feeling it, Luke. Maybe I okay. need a doctor to look at it, but it, it's a little, it's a little red. It's like it's flaky in terms of like the rash. But I, I'm feeling it right now.
2: Uh, okay, so let me ask you about this. We didn't discuss this ahead of time because we're just still trying to figure out this segment. We're gonna we have, again doesn't even have a name. Could be parlays and punani's. We don't know yet. Uh, but BC, I don't know if I'm allowed. So if I can't pick this one, I have a backup one. Again, I, I thought this through. We're fine. Well, well, I'm we're glad you up.
1: sent. I'm glad you sent your picks into the producer so they could build like graphics and stuff, Luke. And no, just, but they can. Know, can
2: no, they'll, they'll be fine here. Trust me, they'll, they'll looks figure like, this
1: out. Looks like, I'll just figure it out on the fly. It's well, fine. we I'll never,
2: never really discussed this, and then I thought about it. And I'm like, well, I don't know if you can do this. So outright in main event, who did I pick? Who did you pick? Imavov. But we're yes. asking about underdog picks now. They're not far apart in the in the in the in the numbers. Our friends at Caesars have Imavov currently, as it stands today, as a minus one twenty five. Strickland has a plus one oh
1: five. As I said over text yesterday, you can only pick one fight. Well, you can only pick a fight once in your five picks.
2: Got it. Okay. So in that sense, here's my backup pick. I apologize. Yes. I missed that part. I mean, I'm you sorry. can't you,
1: what are we trying to do? Parlays here? I mean, yes. I'll give you the Punani. I was trying Luke. to do, no I, was trying to do hold on okay. I was
2: trying to do main pick, Imavov underdog strickland yeah, I, so that no matter what i yeah, win
1: <laughs> why was i why was i anal over the over the rules need to be so, so luke doesn't go oh i'll take that favorite he's what a minus 1600 okay. uh, that's, that's fine yeah so that, here's that's my backup it's fine
2: i had to it prepare it's fine uh, i'm gonna go raquel pennington now you pick Ketlin vieira as your favorite she currently oh, head to screen. head let's go yes let's go so you picked her to go at, at minus 130 she is just a slight slight favorite over the plus 110 for raquel pennington I, I like Pennington's chances in this one. I do agree that Vieira has more chances to win. I I, I certainly not again. Kind of like if you know, gun to my head, who do I think is going to win this one? Vieira. But I got to tell you, if we're like we're like we're looking at the list of the underdogs. Whose chances do I like to tip over the apple cart the most under those considerations? Pennington's got a great chance, man. A really great chance. She's well rounded. She's on a hot streak. Um they're not too far apart in abilities. couple mistakes one way or the other. And by the way, Vieira keeps her head right in line to be hit all the time. No head movement at all. Pennington might box her up. I'll, I'll go Raquel Pennington on that one.
1: baby. on the way, Mad Bills to pay, Luke, okay? She's going to come in ready. You know, fired up, right? Yes. Drinking oh, that 10 we egg. have the
2: same picks for the next two. God damn it.
1: Yeah, a little, little, little research would have been would have been five. No no, 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 little. no, no,
2: no, no. I picked these last night. I didn't, do, I didn't even see yours until just now.
1: I sent them in to the producers yesterday, Luke. It was I great. know,
2: I didn't. I sent mine in this morning or whatever, but I didn't notice you had had it this way. It doesn't matter. All I right. want to pick, pick this way anyway.
1: Pick number four is we have to identify a fight that will either, yes, go the distance, or 100% not, Luke. I'm going to take the over here. I'm going to tell you that, that this fight, and maybe maybe in the future we have to put limitations, because how many times, percentage-wise, do women's, you know, bantamweight fights go the distance? Uh, a lot, Luke. Uh, you know, a lot of these divisions in and around here. But the opening fight of the night was actually a flyweight bout at 125. Priscilla Cachuera versus Sajara Eubanks. Uh, I am looking at this from a super sloppy special angle. I think this will be a competitive fight between um, two hungry individuals, even if there's not a ton of stakes, but... uh This is going to go the distance, Luke. Is that too easy? I may have made made a mockery of the segment, but uh, this one's going the
2: distance. I'm happy to move one of my other picks, but I do want to keep this one. I really agree with your analysis. Again, Eubanks is pretty favored to win this, minus 240 to Cachuera's 200. But it just doesn't necessarily feel like there is a monster gap between them. And I would say Cachuera probably has more of a chance to knuckle Eubanks into a finish, but I don't think that that's likely. And Eubanks is talented, but hasn't necessarily shown herself to be like a prodigious finisher. So that one just feels like it's built for distance. I'm going to keep my pick on that one. Just like yours. I, I really agree with your analysis of all the ones I can look at who fit within the, shall we say the, the betting limits that we put on it. I just feels like a great candidate for a decision.
1: All right. Next week we'll have to figure out a plan where we don't have the same pick. We'll, we'll get that's around fine. that. But finally, Luke, submission, or KO. We have to pick the fight. I got a sub here in the Umar namagomedov Heine Barcelos fight. Uh, It could go either way, too, in theory, right? I mean, it always could, but uh, give me yes. This fight ends in submission.
2: Okay, I'll make a different pick just for fun, and I apologize to Mikey and and, uh, the the production crew, but just to switch it up so we don't have so many of the same picks. This way we only have two of the five as the same. Not a big deal. But I'll go uh, KO. I just don't see how it ends in anything but a KO between Abdul Razak Al-Hassan and then Claudio Ribeiro. Now, uh, Abdul Razak Al-Hassan at times has been like, he's like gone the distance in fights you just never imagined. Um, And by the way, he could do the knocking out. He could get knocked out. Really, he is a gunslinger, but that's exactly what he is. He just goes out there and fights, balls out for as long as the fight lasts, and either he knuckles someone down because he's a big puncher and he's aggressive, or he gasses and he gets finished off. It really isn't necessarily, for the most part, with an exception here or there, not much of a change in that direction. Now, the odds are very different than a Nurmagomedov fight. This one is a pick 'em, minus 105 to minus 115. So it's, you know, uh, it's just very, very close. But in terms of one that I feel confidently will end in a finish, I would be very surprised if that one went the distance.
1: Those are our five picks, Luke. Uh, We'll review those next week and uh begin this process we went all ufc but it could have been just the same boxing bellator one championship pfl whatever you got here uh bare knuckle luke maybe maybe i don't know about bare knuckle <laughs> uh luke uh, we did want to mention there were some changes to the to the fight cards this weekend particularly tonight's one on amazon uh six from bangkok card and it's going to be uh, Anissa Mexen didn't even show up to, to weigh-ins, Luke, or, or try to take off the weight there against Stamp Fairtex in their kickboxing bout. So instead, we're going to have a strawweight kickboxing bout with Anna Supergirl Darunsak filling in last minute. So, I mean, fireworks still, Luke? Probably, right?
2: Yeah, I guess it should be fine. I mean, I, I don't really care about that fight that much. It's the main event that I've really got my eye on, so we'll see how that goes.
1: Do you have any uh, a- any further analysis or predictions on any of the other fights this weekend, Luke?
2: I think Superbon will win tonight. I do
1: think Superbon is going to beat Alizov, but we'll see. We'll see. All right. Uh, also, Luke, this weekend, top ranked boxing, an interesting heavyweight main event. Just want to mention it quick F A Ajagba. Remember that slugger, Luke? Yeah, he's, he's going to take old on. Boy. A late replacement but unbeaten Stephen Shaw, the American, uh, who's actually a minus-160 fav betting favorite to the plus-130 Ajagba. So this is going to be an interesting test because I believe Ajagba's only defeat was in that uh, Frank Sanchez loss on that pay-per-view undercard when he got outboxed. And
2: Frank is very good, yeah.
1: Very good. So, uh, you know, look, I've, I've seen Stephen Shaw before, Luke. I called one of his fights on the uh, NBC series, and uh, he can box. He, he knows what he's doing from distance, Um See if Let's see if he can handle the thunder from Majogba. That's going to be interesting. And Luke, do you have any analysis here about Saturday's dezone boxing offering KSI versus late replacement Phase Temper? Um, I don't give a fuck. Okay, there we go. Uh, topic number four, Luke. Uh, Scott Coker, Bellator, president, CEO, whatever you want to call him here, Luke. He was on the MMA Hour this week with Ariel Hawani with Breaking News. Bellator is going to have this lightweight Grand Prix tournament and we now have early dates and the eight names participating. The champion, Usman Nurmagomedov, will kick it off March 10th against Benson Henderson. Tofik Musayev will be in the co-main event that night against Alexander Shabili. That fight will take place in San Jose. And Luke, the other participants, AJ McKee, Patriki Pipple, the former champion, Mansoor Barnoui, Sydney Outlaw. And uh, March 10th, San Jose, as I mentioned, it's kicking off. A couple other, uh, I believe, first-round matchups have also been announced in other uh, cities here. Luke, when you look at the field, though, uh, stronger than you expected? About right? Well, how do, you, how do you sort of classify this? I think this is about right.
2: When we looked at the rankings, you because CBS uh, does rankings for Bellator, and you look at those and you look at Bellator's. I mean, CBS contributes, I mean, to the Bellator rankings. So you can look at those and see. And their names weren't hard to figure out. You knew it was going to be AJ. You knew it was going to be Usman Nurmagomedov, Tofik Musayev. And I, again, I could be wrong. I believe it's pronounced Alexander Chablis. Um You knew they were going to be on there. Then we talked about it when he won over in uh, Europe, I believe recently, Mansoor Barnawi. We were like, okay, well, he's just a force that's going to be, to be reckoned with. Sydney Outlaw has been ranked for some time. And then Patricky Pitbull was the former champion in this weight class who just lost to Usman. Like you kind of knew who was going to be in there. But no i gotta peter say Quilly,
1: luke no peter queeley no
2: peter queeley i was yeah that that part there was a couple names you like maybe could get in maybe not but like in general the big names you thought were going to be there are going to be there i gotta tell you uh the usman america Madoff, benson henderson fight i kind of love that one uh because i think usman is just incredibly talented but benson is a resilient veteran highly experienced guy who's not going to be easy to beat that's going to be fun tafiq musai versus alexander chablis is just two fucking hammers from that part of the world going at it, and we'll see how the rest of the brackets go. I had A.J. McKee on morning combat yesterday, and he told me he wants to fight Petriki in the first round. After that, he doesn't really care. BC, my only thing I would say is I think they've got the right names. This looks like a phenomenal Grand Prix. I just hope it gets done on time, and more to the point, I hope A.J. McKee and Usman Nurmagomedov are on opposite sides of the bracket. It does seem to me like that is a necessity.
1: Uh, you just gave away the 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 pooch before we could uh, present the bag, Luke, but uh, we do have sound to throw to of you talking with A.J. McKee about his hopes and dreams for this, uh, who he wants to face. Let's hear from the man. Um, I don't know. I think, honestly, I think what would make sense is patricky and I, just because um, just of the family feud, you know what I mean? Um, his brother and I have been combative back and forth with each other. Um, we're one and one, so... You know, maybe maybe it's Big Brother who comes in and settles settles this once and for all. Um, and once again, there's another million on the line. So um, I think that should be the first fight. You know, I think that's the fight to make. I think that's a fight that the people can get behind. Um, like I've always said, a pit bull is a pit bull. So I'm just looking forward to taking him on a walk. I like that, Luke. I like that matchmaking a lot, actually.
2: Yeah, me too. Uh, and I do think that Petriki is vastly improved. He was he's always been, you know, something of like a lesser version of Patricio, I think, in the eyes of many, which is not unfair. I mean, many fighters are lesser versions or lesser ability than Patricio. But I do think that Patricio is the best he's ever been. And uh, even though he lost to Usman Nurmagomedov, um, he is trickier than he's ever been too. So he's always had big power and now he's got much better decision making around it if they that's the fight to make i love it and then from there i guess we'll see but bc i'm just gonna say it i don't know if i see sydney outlaw as like the dark horse yeah uh, mansoor barnawi yeah he definitely is the dark
1: horse in this they situation. could have a he Corey anderson like run to the finals luke here for a million bucks
2: yes and then Tafik musayev as well as a fucking absolute hammer um and dude there's a lot of guys in this that are gonna i think wake people up this is a, yeah. gonna be an excellent tournament
1: I mean, Benson Henderson's going to fight for the Bellator title in San Jose to kick things off against you know the Crazy. next big thing here in Usman Maga Magomedov. I love that. I love the potential matchmaking of McKee versus Patrici, and obviously this coincided with McKee signing that new multi-fight, multi-year deal. Uh, we didn't we didn't get specific details, correct in that, but it it, it feels big, right? He told
2: me uh, he told me six fights. Six okay. fights is the deal. Um, well, look, which is uh, which is a, which is. A, which is, a, which is uh fairly i mean that's fairly lengthy although to his point bc he's like well three of them are going to be in the tournament anyway and i was like uh in my mind i was like well only if you win only if you win
1: very true but but seriously though in terms of like like the spark the spike carlisle fight that introduced us to aj at lightweight here you know was crazy because carlisle made it that way but overall we got to see aj's in a good spot i like him in this division but, like, Patricio is also, like, kind of the perfect next test in that regard to find out exactly who AJ is in this division. And obviously, you add in the family drama connected to that. It's basically a another preview for the inevitable trilogy that's going to happen between Patricio uh, and, and AJ. So that mixed with the obvious lick-your-lips excitement for McKee versus Nurmagomedov in the finals, if it happens. Yeah, they've got something brewing here. I'm into it. I'm into it big time, all right? Sign me up. Love it. Yeah, let's feel that together. Okay. Wow, what a great Friday show we're putting together, you and I, right now. Just, it's just, you know, it's like, it's like throwing a no-hitter on acid, Luke. Just great. It's great. All right. Hey, topic five. We've got some uh fight announcements here to find out if these have tickled Luke in the fancy spot. Justin Gaethje versus Raphael Faziv is in the works, Luke. Fazig talked to Captain Hardcore and said, I'm not announcing anything, but the UFC promised us that I'll be fighting Justin Gaethje in March. Uh if that's the direction Gaethje goes here Luke after a couple losses on the title level, um is this the right this is the right come down fight for him to simultaneously find out exactly where Fazeev is?
2: Yeah, Fiziev has earned it. Fiziev has earned it. And that fight is fucking bananas because it's going to be two absolute fucking just heavy 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 hitters trying to take each other's head off. Very little wrestling at all will be involved in that one, I suspect. Um, Fazeev, I, you know, you and I both are very high on. Justin Gaethje has done incredible things in the sport, but you got to wonder if he's on the come down now a little bit. Um, and Fazeev's on the way up. And we've said it also, too, BC, you know, the, the Kutateladzis, the Saryukians. It's Mugula, was part of it, but he retired. But the Gamrots, and, it, you know, of course, you mentioned Fazeev. Now, this new class of 155ers who are coming in with Zs and Vs in their names tearing people to shreds i wonder if this is going to be part of that continuing
1: tradition yeah master shredder indeed uh bellator announced uh, a four pack of additions to the bellator 290 card february 4th cbs fader bader 2 or it's, maybe it's bay Uh a couple other offerings including johnny Eblen. but luke i don't know if all of these are going to air on the cbs card or if they'll be in some form of a prelim but they're strong here. Uh, heavyweight Steve Mowry versus Ali Isayev. Lorenz Larkin versus Muhammad Berkamov. Darian Caldwell versus Nikita Mikulov. And Isaiah Hokit versus Peter Ishiguro. Anything getting tripping your fancy there, Luke? Because I like yeah, a Yeah, the
2: Ali Isayev one is big. He had a decorated background in, uh, I believe, amateur wrestling. was a big signing for them, for Bellator. That's a bit of a big get. Steve Mowry, a huge guy. A uh, sort of a Bellator homegrown product, not from day one, but for a while now, his biggest fights have certainly been in Bellator. He's huge. He's a huge dude. That's going to be a really fun one. And also Lorenz Larkin was a big signing when he came over to Bellator. I'm not sure he's fulfilled for them. The promise that we had kind of had at that Bellator NYC press conference when he was announced on stage. So yeah, uh, would like to see what he can do on this card.
1: Is he operating at middleweight now moving forward?
2: Uh, um, I can't say for certainty. Obviously, I think he has been. Welterweight the last has of been fights. historically his best work, but he yeah, might
1: be. Uh, interesting. All right. Uh, also, Luke won championship February tenth. John Lineker versus Fabri- Fabricio De Andrade, yeah, that's the one, and also Martin Wynn versus Shamil Gasinov on that same card. But dude, that's going to be a Brazilian War, right? Yeah. Damn.
2: So the so the Lineker fight and the Andrade fight had uh, didn't end the right way the first time. Uh, so they're going to basically redo it. Fabrizio DeAndraj, I've told you guys about this. This is a young kid who can. St- I mean, what a dynamic striker he is. And I mean, what I have to tell you about John Lineker, right? I mean, John Lineker as who he is. So running that one back to get a to get a uh, less controversial finish uh, is our uh, result anyway. Is going to be, I mean, first order priority. Watching that one is not to be missed at all.
1: Yeah, that the first fight was was crazy. It was it was pretty crazy. Uh, March 5th, UFC giving us Derek Brunson and Drikus Duplessis in a very interesting crossroads middleweight matchup. Luke, your thoughts?
2: Uh, I like it. I thought, you know, I mean, Darren Till didn't have a great performance um, against Drikus, so Drikus moves on. Derek Brunson hasn't been without his issues, but I think in general is in pretty decent form, more or less. Uh, and he can wrestle his ass off, obviously. So that's a tough test for Drickus. Yeah, I like it. I like it all right.
1: All right. Um, are you moved at all by UFC 283 adding Tiago Moises versus Milk Costa or the February 2nd edition for UFC of Nurilio Aliev making the debut against Rafael Alves? I don't think Rafael you are.
2: Alves, uh, a little bit. I like Rafael Alves. Um,
1: Okay, sure. I got two that you're going to like, though. March 18th is UFC 286. How about Gunnar Nelson versus Daniel Rodriguez, D-Rod, yeah. and Jennifer Maya versus King Casey O'Neill? That's a sneaky one, too, Luke. 125? Yeah,
2: but, both of those are pretty good. Gunnar Nelson, a kind of a forgotten player uh, at Welterweight. Yeah. we are curious to see what he's got back. Daniel Rodriguez, I think, obviously, is, this would be, in many ways, beating Gunnar might be the best win of his career. I mean, you could say the leech or something in terms of the rankings or whatever. Yep. But but I think Gunner would actually be a more impressive one. Um, Dude, that
1: fight's going to be a war.
2: Yeah, it's going to be. And by the way, Gunner can strike on the feet too. Remember, he's got that kind of in and out Wonder Boy karate style. So,
1: that's oh, he'll a fun take one. damage too. One. He'll welcome damage and just fight through it. I mean, damn. Uh speaking of damage, March twenty fifth, are we going to see it when Nate the Train Landwehr takes on Alex Caceres? Luke? This could be some fireworks, right?
2: uh Kassaris is massively improved Nate Landwehr is an absolute maniac hard to know how that one goes poorly don't I'm not, not sure who's gonna win exactly but that that one is hard to, I mean how is that one anything other than all action for as long as it lasts right
1: somebody's gonna end up with a tattoo Luke afterwards probably 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 I mean it's a good guess uh, April 8th, UFC 287 going to give us Cynthia Calvillo versus Lupi Godinez. I know that's not moving you, Luke. Uh, not and much, also, much. uh, how about this? Bellator Paris is going to go down May 12th. Gegard Musasi versus Fabian Edwards at middleweight. And the co-main event is a first round matchup in the Bellator at lightweight World Grand Prix when Sydney Outlaw takes on Mansoor Barnawi. Uh, yeah, I'm in, I'm in there in Paris. Let's do it.
2: Yeah, I like that one. Fabian Edwards, I mean, beating Leota Machida got to this level, and Musasi losing to Johnny Eblen, it kind of puts them on a collision course. And then again, I mean, I don't know, I I I don't know what's going to happen with Mansoor Barnawi, but he looks to be very very tough. I think he's going to beat Sydney Outlaw. I'm telling you, man, that dude Mansoor Barnawi, he's gonna he's he's one
1: to watch in this tournament for sure. So, Fabian Edwards is Leon Edwards, brother, correct? Correct. Yeah, he's bigger, obviously, as well. Maybe, maybe he's going to have his moment here, Luke. Maybe, all right? Maybe. Head kick, bang. Uh, topic six. Luke, we got six topics this week. Wow, how about a couple of quick hitters on the way out? Uh, Eric Nixick talked to MMA Fighting to update, of course, one of our favorite coaches there, uh, Couture MMA, right, Luke? Las Vegas, Eric Nixick, love that guy. Uh, updating the Jones versus Nganu heavyweight title talks, of course, Nixick with Nganu Camp. The quote is, I think it's 50-50 to be honest with you When you're talking business and timeline, I'm confident from what I saw from Francis a couple weeks ago that if we had to be ready for March, I think we can get him ready. But I think this is cutting it a little bit short because he had to go back home and renew his visa. And then obviously they still haven't announced anything yet with his contract and where they're at. So it's 50-50 for me. Uh, Luke, he he went on to say other things related to this, but then Cyril Ghosn got involved and tweeted a picture of John Jones saying, where are you at, Johnny Bones? I'm free this March, Vegas. End quote. So to, up, so to update here, the champion is Francis Ngannou, but he has yet to complete the the new contract. Everything's still up in the air. So if he can't go for John Jones's debut, I'm sure Stipe is involved somewhere in this conversation. But could we see John Jones versus Cyril gone for the interim title, Luke? This this you know late winter spring.
2: Who would was- have, okay. I mean, obviously everyone wants John versus Francis, right? Okay. So, I mean, that's, that's a given, but your question is positing. Well, what if we can't get that? Who on earth would be against John Jones versus Cyril gone? Right. And like for the interim title too, like who, who, how, how spoiled as a fan would you are an observer media, whoever to look at that and be like, yeah, I don't want that. Why would you not want that? That's a that's a very difficult test for John Jones. And you might say, well, John can just out wrestle him. Again, there's a lot of questions about John at this level. And Cyril makes good decisions. I'm sure he's working on his wrestling. He's very hard to hurt. He's very hard to touch. He's built for five rounds. No problem. Maybe you favor John to win that one. Maybe you don't. That's up to you. But like, is that an intriguing fight that most, I think, educated observers would want to see? Of course it is. Yeah. Let's, if, if Francis isn't ready or he's not going to be at his best, okay. This to me is a very good consolation prize if that one goes away.
1: Uh, I wonder if Bongabin, if I'm saying that correctly, it will be in the corner of Nasruddin Imavov, his his teammate on Saturday. He is. I'm told Saturday. he is Yeah. He's here. So I hope he does. I hope there's a media scrum. I hope we get some more information. I mean, look, they, somebody's got to fight John Jones for the debut. It's probably going to be for the interim title, no matter who it is. Um, Let's do it. Let's get this done. I mean, come on. Let's get this done. Let's do this. You want good PR? Announce this stuff right now, all right? That's what we're going to be talking about. John Jones coming back. Believe it. Uh, Two quick boxing notes on the way out, Luke. Nayoa Inoue, the monster, the pound-for-pound king, the undisputed Bantamweight champion, has officially vacated all four of his titles. 122 is next. Uh, What that means, like we talk about, could he fight... Muradjan Akhmadaliev for two of the world titles, wouldn't hate that. Could he fight Stephen Fulton Jr.? Could he, I mean, there, there's some there's some possibilities here. Can't wait to see where the monster goes. And Shakur Stevenson, Luke, this is interesting for the larger, lightweight title picture, okay? Gervonta is going to face Ryan Garcia for the secondary belt. Devin Haney, the undisputed champion, probably fighting Vasily Lomachenko next, and can't wait for that. But Shakur Stevenson, who just moved up to lightweight, the two-division champion, is finalizing an April 8th bout against Shuch- Shuchero Yoshino, who I don't know a ton about, but is the is in line here in the WBC rankings. The winner is the number one mandatory contender for Devin Haney. So, Luke, lightweight title picture coming together, dude. Yes, right? Yes.
2: Uh, Yeah, but again, I just don't— under- I mean, if you don't know m- much about Shuchero Yoshino— how does anybody? <laughs> like,
1: well, this this is boxing, Luke. So Karen Chukajin ends up, you know, yeah, that's you know true. what I'm saying. Like this, this is yeah, boxing, you're right, dude. you're right.
2: But boxing does have this weird thing where the, when the system works the way it's supposed to, where like someone is a mandatory and you never heard of them, but they're actually really good, and they, that that mandatory slot gets them the fight they ordinarily would never have get gotten, and then they win. You're like, oh shit, like the system worked. Yep. I don't know that Yoshino was going to beat Chakur Stevenson. He seems to be like extremely good. But uh, you know the system works the way it does. People are supposed to get opportunities based on how they how they win in the rankings. So God bless them.
1: Remember, uh, remember Teofimo on the on the initial rise had that like number one contender fight with against a Japanese guy who I can never remember his name. And like that was the was night it Nakatani. Yes, Nakatani, and that was the night that like backstage right before he walked to the ring, his mom's here sister in DC. Yeah, his mom and sister got into a fight with his fiance, who's now his wife, and, like, he had a horrible night, and, like, you could you could run into trouble, and that's why, like you said, when the system works. But the problem is that nobody believes in the system on a 100%, you know, up-and-up level. We see far too many more times where that guy you never heard of who beat no one you've ever heard of and has never fought outside of that country that you've barely heard of is suddenly in a title fight on, like, pay-per-view in the States, you know? And you're like... How did, how did we get here? Uh, he's not of this level. Like, uh, yeah, there's a few of those too. Anyway, Luke, as we head into this weekend of fights, tonight one, UFC tomorrow night, boxing as well, uh, we want you to be on the lookout, fans, because we got a great sponsor, Money Lion. You may have heard of this thing we're doing with them called the Hammer of the Month, where you, the fans watching, looking for fighters on the undercard, fighters that kick off the main card, who may or may not be getting the respect they deserve, but yet have had a breakthrough performance. And jumped through their TV screen into your living room and made you go hashtag holy hammer, right? Or hashtag hammer of the month. Yeah. Let your voice be heard on social media by adding money lion on Twitter at Moneylion Inc. on Instagram. Use those hashtags, make your pick, or scan that QR code in the screen in the corner. Or go to the address, moneylinecom slash morningcombat. You can vote. You can read more about this great contest. But you know so far what we've done. Aaron Blanchfield in December, or in November. December saw Ilya Tuporia finish Bryce Mitchell dominantly or, or just destroy him and get that hammer. Luke, that Hammer of the Month trophy, the physical shaft, the hammer, it's up for grabs right now in January 2023, so you better be on the lookout. Is it Royman Villa? Did he get his hand on that thing, Luke? He might. Did he touch the shaft? He might. Who, who This weekend, Luke, mm. Who are you? who's a potential hammer that you're looking at this weekend? javed Basharat? Yeah. Yo, Basharat, you want, you want to grab this hammer? You know what to do this weekend. Tell eh? you, that
2: kid's talented, man. I mean, he's got a tough fight on his hands, but that kid can fight.
1: Believe that. Dude, we need to, like, do you think we are... Okay, we were able to give Aaron Blanchfield the hammer, the money line hammer, in person when she was there for Room Service Diaries. I'm still trying to find out, is the hammer in Potoporia's possession? Dude, do we need to go cornball this up and do like a full night presentation of handing off the hammer to whoever it is, and that it should always be done in person, Luke? I mean, should we really go after this, or is that enough? That's I, cheesy I think you enough. Can,
2: I think you can only go after that if we can get Showtime to pay. You know? All
1: right, all right. Because I'll dress up like a king, Luke. Like the king I am, right? You're a king. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Of wishful right. thinking. Oh wow, wow! Well, well played there on that God, transition. I am the king of wishful thinking. Um, everybody, Luke, uh, you know, has their favorite, and sometimes they don't like us for whatever reasons, and sometimes they hear us say shit into a microphone. That is, I'm the king of Connecticut. Thank you, Long Island, Luke, for saying that. You're damn right, I am. Uh, Luke, we offer them a chance every Friday with this closing segment that could be pedantic and bullshit, but this is like this is like having accountability. This is like having an ombudsman, right? Mikey is our ombudsman, and he fields all these complaints through the email address of morningcombat at gmail.com because you heard us say something that you just didn't agree with or you didn't like, or maybe you just want to have a chance to have your voice heard to roast our white asses. All right, well, it's time for Dead Wrong. Luke you, Luke, you hear that pregnant pause? It was like hitting a gong.
2: Was it?
0: Was it like, like making a gong? Me- it's
1: like making music with your emotions, Luke, you know? It's great stuff. All right, Luke, Edgar sliding in. He says, on episode 396, Luke stated regarding Ketlin Vieira... She has her problems. We saw her get stopped against Kunitskaya. Uh, no, we did not, sir. Vieta lost the decision despite maintaining top position for large oh, portions right. of the fight. Shit, that's right. As Kunitskaya impressively overworked her from the bottom. And don't you ever fucking forget it.
2: Yeah. Yep. Fair point. Fair <laughs> Damn. point.
1: <laughs> Damn, Edgar dropping, dropping the uh, Macho Man elbow on you. I love that. Yeah, Let's man.
2: That. All right, I'll take that, L. I'll take all it. right, we got
1: one more. This one's from JP. You know him, Jay Paquette, Mount Unike, Nova Scotia. Good day, I MK think Jay Nation. Jay
2: needs some hobbies. You <laughs> know what I mean?
1: <laughs> yeah, he's coming to to the UK February eighth. Luke, we are his hobby. All right. I, I see that. Holy shit. Uh, he says, "Good day, uh, MK Nation." Episode three ninety five at the nine minute mark, BC made reference to JP having some saucy memes. Not dead wrong. Pretty accurate, actually. But what was totally dead wrong when he made reference to my Canadian province as the island of Scotia, BC, my long lost 40 plus year old Canadian, French Canadian POS cousin, (laughs) did the French tortier pie, the meat pie from the holiday season, rot your brain, my man? Nova Scotia is not an island, rather a peninsula and is connected to the province of New Brunswick where Mockton resides. My Canadian brethren, Aaron Bronstetter, and I previously dead wronged you and Luke On that one, when you come to visit the lake house this summer, we'll tour the province and take the boat out and correct your geography shortcomings. Love you guys. Keep up the amazing award-winning show. Super fan for life. It's JP. Luke, he even gave a fan sub and put in meat pie here, tortier, about this uh, island of Scotia mistake. So, Luke Thomas, do you care about Canadian geography?
2: It's very American for me to tell you that I don't. So I'm yeah. trying not to be that guy. I
1: so mean, it looks I, like an island to me in that picture. I, maybe it's the peninsula, though. It's like the end of the dong, right?
2: Yeah, it's the end of the, it's the bell end. It's the bell <laughs> end of the dong, as the Brits <laughs> oh, would say. Oh, wow. wow ring that you, ever bell. Had, you ever had a Brit call you a bell end? That's a fun thing.
1: No, no. no. I, I hope I get called a bin man by our British, by our bin British plus So please? what are
2: some great British insults? It's a great question, right? So Dosser is one. Yes, yes. Bin man.
1: Bin man. Um. um uh your bloody wanker
2: wanker oh wanker's gotta I mean, be wanker's gotta be number one british insult for but yeah, like i, when I say that i mean way, like yeah. to an american ear like to an american ear wanker's pretty good right that's not um, bad yeah but dude they're gonna you know would you take us. up
1: you know within that dead wrong from jp luke it seemed to be an invitation for you to come to his house and and ride the boat
2: Let's see how things go in London first. JP is either just the nicest man on earth or absolutely he's going to skin us alive and, you know, hide our
1: <laughs> bones in his fucking basement. It's one it's of the like, the, is this a Canadian remake of Deliverance, Luke? And this is just a long, like, trap? Like, we're just, you know, yeah, yeah. Luke, yeah come yeah. see
2: my cabin in the
1: woods. B- bitch, you'll yeah. never see MK again. Yeah. Yeah. So we can, this has been a long play to get you to squeal like a pig. I mean, I, you know, I can say Luke, while it's disgusting, you know, it's a, it is well, a well-made plan up to this point. So thank you guys. That's the end of the dead wrong segment, morning combat at gmail.com. Mikey Morms is waiting for you. All right. Say hi to him. Okay. There you go. Uh, Luke, that's our show for the week. And we did want to, you know, shamelessly plug one final time that if you are going to join the Paquettes on this cross Atlantic flight, it does go down February eighth. That's a Wednesday night. King's Place is the venue in the King's Court section of London. It's a podcast festival called Pod Live, brought to you by the Sports Podcast Group. They named us best sports podcast of two thousand twenty two. Holy crap! Right, they put us on billboards in Liverpool and London. Well, we're going to be in London because MK is coming to the UK. Ninety minutes of variety and fun. We're going to have some big name. Fight-related fighters, fight-related... I mean, this is big. This is pretty damn big. It's big, okay? We're big in the UK. Who would have thought, right? You know what I mean? This one-eighth Irish kid with the Scottish last name who's been adopted by the Welsh and just wants all of his family to get along. Right? My family in Ireland, my family in the UK. If only someone had an idea, Luke. That's really what this live show is about.
2: People are wondering how off the rails this live show is going to be. What can you tell them?
1: Well, there are standards, right? In right. It, like, for
2: example, like this isn't just like, hey, Luke and Brian rented a venue and we're just going to do our show. We're actually headlining a podcast festival. It's actually their festival, but it's our show. So there are some limits about, you know, BC dropping his dungarees to his ankles and
1: then just showing uh, Yeah. The world. I mean,. Will BC go hog wild? No, Uh, you know, you will not be, you know, you will not be that level, Luke. But uh, Luke, if the local DA gets removed at all leading up to this, would you consider not going? I don't even know what that, what does that mean? For Safety purposes, Luke. That's all that means, but no, I'm excited to be there. Uh, this 90 minute show it could be wild, maybe it'll be boring. I don't know, it's up to you. You got to find out. It will not air live though. I, I hope, Luke, we can put a no later. So the, th-
2: plan is, the plan is the plans. we're going to record it like in London in the evening there, and then that will air on that following Friday. Uh, okay, flying
1: a couple days later, yeah. Uh, that's great, and we, we're going to shoot a lot of bonus content out there um we're gonna we're gonna film a doc so this is gonna be wild but if you want to take part in person you see that qr code uh check out you'll get more information there scan that shit
2: i do have one question and it's not for me it's for a friend of mine that i know really well can you get delta eights in the uk
1: (laughs) (laughs) how much does your friend pay for a haircut Luke? that'll help me narrow it down i mean Uh, yeah all
2: right what uh, do haircuts go for in in uh, naugatuck connecticut
1: about about what that would cost Man, I do miss those days of getting like, you know, $10 haircuts in the inner city, Luke. there would be like a drug deal. Who the I, fuck I bought... do you think you are? Jaime Escalante? You're going to go down there and Yo, take those I, burros calculus? I bought some of those DVDs out of that gym bag. I bought the the pirated wedding crashers where some guy went into a, a movie theater with a camera with Luke and, and just recorded it. You know, I bought that DVD and watched okay, it. Okay, I
2: definitely saw Rush Hour that way. <laughs> uh, that's a real thing I did. <laughs>
1: No, um, no, it's going to be a great it's going to be a great event. Uh, All I know, a few people are starting to out themselves that they're coming, Luke. And I'm just so excited for anybody that can do it. I know it's not easy. It's middle of the week. You got work. You You may have to fly there. You may not be allowed in the country, Dave. Okay. All right. Good luck to you. But, uh, you know, there's a, there's a, it means a lot to us. It, it may be the only time that we cross that. Path. I've never been there. I've literally never been Luke outside of North America.
2: All right, dude, it's going to be, uh, it's funny. Cause I mean, they speak English. It's not like, uh, you know, you, you, uh, it's a true change, uh, but you might have a bit of a culture shock out there. Also, I will give you a piece of advice. Yo, this doesn't, this is going to sound kind of crazy and I don't know if it's true when the Brits come here, but it's definitely true when Americans go there Dude, fucking look both ways before you cross the street. You are not going to be used to the traffic patterns and how they come the opposite direction, basically. And I'm telling you, like, I remember the first time I went, people were like, yo, just, just listen to me. Look both ways. There were several times I stopped myself from just getting plowed by a fucking bus by actually making sure to do this number before I did. And I'll tell you, we won't go this time, but in Amsterdam... Motherfucker, you have to dodge bikes when you're walking down the street there, like you're playing Frogger with your life. It's insane how much just ah, busyness. But dude, I'm the, it's it'll be a bit of a culture shock for you. But it'll be dude, fun.
0: I'm gonna
1: I'm gonna dominate some crisps, Luke. Yeah, that British food. I'm not looking
2: forward to. It's shit. I mean, I'm sorry to tell oh, you. I just, yeah, I don't okay. Know what this is a it's... bit.
1: You know they're coming for you with pitchforks <laughs> after dude, that.
2: You Luke. think I'm playing with this? You're about to find out the hard way. I'm not doing a bit. It's not good
1: i did have people dm me and say can we smoke in the venue and i was like oh yeah i'm not i mean you know don't bring your bong i would say no but you know <laughs> probably not but yeah
2: yeah i had i had a uber like uh like late last year when i was still vaping and I, before i got in I'm like i hit a couple and then put them in my pocket he's like ah you can just vape in the car and i'm like <laughs> I don't think that's a good idea for either of us. Quite candidly, so yeah.
1: uh, is there anything worse than arriving in Vegas completely messed up from the flight, and the old guy taxi like is trying to aggressively sell you on the Gentleman's Club, Luke, that offers things beyond the scenes that you didn't even think they did, and is like not taking no for an answer? And you're like, dude, just drop me off at the MGM Grand so I can walk through that <laughs> those aisles of hell to get to my room, and it's just you know stop. My, stop my favorite, my me.
2: favorite of of of, of Vegas. Is like at two or three in the morning when you're coming back from the fights and you're done working, is seeing all of the shoeless, um, uh, what do you call it, girls, girls' weekends, bachelorette parties, yeah, where yeah. they're shoeless and they just look like they've been ridden hard and put away wet, you know?
1: Oh, okay, okay, all right. I mean, we just no, it's an ex, it's
2: an expression from Sam's, yeah. But I got a, a few saying.
1: expressions I could have said too, Luke, but I'm trying to keep this okay. show up. Age well, they look
2: terrible, is the point I'm trying to make. i I thought about this bc if showtime and cbs came to me and they were like okay we have a deal for you you never have to go to las vegas again i might cry out of happiness i might genuinely like well up with tears about not having to go back there ever
1: again yeah i'm with that i'm with that completely um what final question from me luke this is not about life or travel or even the uk Who do you think is going to be the announced team for for slapdick combat um John Morgan on play-by-play. Would you be done with that? Is he doing
2: play-by-play?
1: I I don't. I have not heard anything. I'm just trying to fantasy pick the broadcast team for for slap combat. Who I'm gonna um, guess it's Power UFC.
2: Slap. I'm gonna guess I'm not doing a bit. It's gonna be UFC fighters who are looking for more opportunities inside UFC, and they're willing to just do this to get ahead.
1: And maybe like Brendan Fitzgerald as the voice. Yeah,
2: something like that. By the way, who's he, great? Like I like Brendan Fitzgerald, but like, boy, you guys involved with
1: the slap league, y'all are. Do a lot for a check, huh? Do a lot for a check. Hey, what if, you know, imagine if Showtime acquired the Slap League and then you had to eat your words, biatch.
2: Uh I don't think I would. I don't think I would. I don't think I'd have oh. to. I, I mean, okay, Showtime, are you watching this? If you guys acquire the Slap League, I'm not covering those events. Okay? All
1: right. By the way, that's probably the, the network the least likely to acquire, the Slapdick yeah, League, sure. and, you know. And, and they did have Red Shoe Diaries. That was a great franchise for a while on Showtime. Shout out to them. Hey, All right, that's that was 12, our show. That was great. Yeah, uh, I believe it was, uh, this was a Long Island Luke and, and Manich production. Uh, shout out to Gaff, who's always with us. Mikey Moore's behind the scenes on the ones and twos. Thank you all. I think you can follow us somewhere down there, uh, maybe right now. Like, subscribe. Look, I, I don't push the subscription thing a lot anymore, Luke, but we are making, we are, there's gains. They've been, they've been pretty loyal, all right? We're slowly getting there. So please subscribe if you've been grazing. Uh, And uh, for all you audio-only peeps out there who are like grocery shopping or like, you know, digging a ditch in your backyard to bury a body and you're listening to us, shout out to you guys too, okay? I preferred you watch us, right? It's a visual thing, but, you know, you guys matter to us just the same. Uh, Showtime does too. You can get 30 days free right now, showtime.com. And then if you like it, and of course, I think you will. You like boxing? You like BC? You like MMA? You like Cosby? Who doesn't like Bill Cosby? Um great shows, great documentaries. Six months at 399. I know what things cost these days. It's a good deal. Okay. Thank you, AG1. Money line, all of our great friends. Luke Thomas, anything else you want to say? This is the best two hours of my week right now, the Friday show.
2: Uh join me tomorrow post fight for uh the post fight UFC Imaval versus Strickland event i will join you as soon as that main event is over and we'll have
1: some fun love it love you folks out there thank you take care of yourselves for luke thomas my name is brian campbell echoing what my co-host says all the time about your your gains better make sure those bitches are loyal.